Welcome to the Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Fings. And we're back, man. Episode 131. Yo. Uh, before we get into it, man, we got a special guest in the building. Zylo, a.k.a. DJ $1, like our one money. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. What's happening? <laughs> man, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me, fellas. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, so before we get into all the, the, the typical shit we get into on these podcasts, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's introduce him. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Man, Zylo, a.k.a. DJ $1, like I won some money. I got a show. It's uh, called Contrast Uncut. It's presented by Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. And it's essentially just about success stories and getting into the testimonies from everybody and how they got there. And then I throw in like a social awareness and some fun shit at the end because you fuck people heads up when you hit someone with social awareness. There you go. There you go. How did you uh, how did you link up with uh, Snoop's Army and and in the gang? So pretty much uh, I interviewed. I had opportunity because my producer is Kev King. And he's a Hot 94.1 radio DJ. And so he was going to interview someone's from Snoop's label, Triggs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had found out that his people's was Bobby D. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I need to holler at him and get an interview with them. And I ended up getting the same day as the Triggs interview was. Mm-hmm. So I went, I'm like, no, I ain't going to mess with Triggs. No disrespect. I ended up getting him on my show. Mm-hmm. But I traveled down south to go get him on the show, Bobby D. And at the end of the interview, he was like, man, he real Post Malone, psychedelic, <laughs> you know, organic, you know, what you need. Yeah. And I told him, man, I need someone to get behind me. I need someone to present the show. Right. And so he thought about it, slept on it the next day. He was like, yeah, I got you. You know, Bobby D presents. We could present your show, but I'm going to need you to come and do some media for me. Okay. And so I'm thinking like, man, this shit's going to turn up. Like he does all these major events. And so I'm like, okay, the next event is Valentine's Day. I had interviewed him on the 12th. Two days later, it's Valentine's Day. I'm not thinking that I'm going to go do that. And sure enough, I'm on the road and went out there and I ended up actually like thrashing and crashing during the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like my interview on 112 didn't stick. Uh, I sort of embarrassed myself because they offered me to keep everything and I only took one thing when I left and then when I interviewed them later on it was like that's disrespectful <laughs> but you know you look embarrassing if you got one bag and like your clear bag that you got <laughs> got nothing but food in it hot wings rice <laughs> and Red Bulls it's gonna look bad right 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 but you know they said it was bad on my end but I take it on the chin for what it was and Keith mm. Sweat was ahead of coronavirus at that time so he wasn't trying to mess with nobody mm. And so I couldn't get the interview with him. And then RL, the first interview I did, I bombed it. Like, I didn't even recognize who RL was. And yeah, I'm landing out on y'all show. (laughs) That's okay, man. You never really lose, man. You just gain experience. Let me grab my charger real quick. Go ahead. ahead. Man, failure is growth. Oh, yeah. 100%. So when you you said you bombed it, maybe. But I mean, (laughs) that prepped you better for whatever uh, uh, next interviews or conversations you were having going forward. Like usually when, when me and Keith, when we start these podcasts and we have a guest, like they may think they bomb or say they're like, ah, oh, let's start it over. I'm like, no, nah, we keeping all that shit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. We, yeah. We keeping all of that because you know, you never really make a, and then plus it's, it's much more authentic, you know, nobody's perfect here. You know, 
Bro, when I was first doing it, uh, my first season, we did everything audio. We didn't do nothing video. I started doing video second season. Okay. And while I'm doing it, my brother was pretty much like, man, people get a phone call while you're interviewing them. Let it keep rolling. Let their phone conversation be your business because they shouldn't have answered their phone. <clears throat> and so, you know, I keep that same theory of, you know, what's rolling. Unless you say I want to omit that professionally, then, you know, that's staying. It's sticking to the real. Mm, that's crazy. That's real. That's why I like, you know, if I get a notification, I try to put my phone on airplane mode unless I need the data to like look up an article we all are talking about. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I feel bad. Like even when it's just me and Keith and my phone rings or if his phone ring, I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, we got, they going to do one day. They're going to do a compilation of all the times Eddie phone ring. During oh, the <laughs> Damn. It's only like five times. Yeah, it's not too <laughs> or when it's just that fucking vibration. Whoop, 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 and it's like the newer the phones get, the worse the vibration. Yeah. So, remember back in the day when it used to be like, eh. Like yeah. a regular. Now that motherfucker sound like a vibrator. <laughs> His phone sound like a fucking whole sex toy out here, man. Come on. Fuck. I got an iPhone. You know the speakers get all cloggy because of the land in our pockets? Okay. Yeah. How come the vibrator louder than my speaker right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... <laughs> come on. That shit wake me up for an alarm and I'd be like, damn, I set it on... Uh, uh, on silent with the, the vibrator, vibrator. Mm -hmm. and it and is that loud? Yeah, promise you. Oh my god, wakes me up. That's wild. It's a human in that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh that man, crazy. what did uh, what did that 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 first bomb of uh, the interview with one twelve? What did that kind of teach you or you know show you how you need to move differently? How did how did that play out? You know, when I was driving there, I was trying to like look at stuff and. You know, it pretty much it took me to be more prepared for everything. There you mm -hmm. go. Because, see, I was at that point, I was lining up interviews who I did research on. And then he threw me into it like, hey, you're going to interview these people. Mm -hmm. And I knew who they were. I had played their music at my wedding. I done mm -hmm. got some Cuddy over with their music. And <laughs> <laughs> I ain't heard Cuddy in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, from there, I was like, oh, this is going to be nothing. It's going to be nothing. I remember, like, because I smoke. And so I'm smoking outside the venue. Mm -hmm. And before I come in, I'm like, man, I don't have to look them up. Not knowing as soon as I walk in there, I put the badge on, I walk past backstage, she going to grab me and pull me straight to RL. Mm -hmm. mm. And that moment was like, okay, from this point forward, I'm going to make sure I know who everybody is. I'm going to make sure I know what people are about. And then the biggest point that bombed it for me is I threw a damn Martin Luther King quote on Valentine's Day about some like pretty much people's energy. Mm -hmm. And... RL was like, why would you throw some biblical shit at me on love day? <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first time, like, at that point, 24 episodes in, that I had someone, like, pretty much contradict me where I was like, fuck, I don't know what to say next. Ooh. And so I just pretty much found a way to end it. I maneuvered out and ended it. It was like, fuck. <laughs> mm. And I took that shit on the chin and I was like, okay, and I got to figure out how I'm going to make my way back. Mm -hmm. And then, so, you know, that whole thing was a growing process. I remember I called my wife because I drove. My grand is Valentine's Day. I didn't spend it with her. I spent it with a whole bunch of people that make people fall in love. Yeah. And I wasn't there with my wife. Yeah. Uh, and so I called her the whole way back talking about it, how much I fucked up. <laughs> I promise you. And so, yeah, that shit weighed on me. And so, I, you know, I've been blessed that every time I, I get phone calls where, Two weeks ago, they was like, uh, over this whole growth, the publicist that represented Bobby D and represented Snoop represent my show. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful blessing. Shout out Patty Torres and shout out Barbara Sanchez. 
But they'll call me and be like, hey, I got the owners of Bump Box and I got Trey the Truth. Uh, he was just in Lake Charles mm. uh, doing uh, taking trees off of people's houses from the hurricane. Right, right, right. And he's driving back to Kentucky because he's still part of Occupy Kentucky for mm. Breonna Taylor. Can mm. you interview him and interview Bump Box all tonight at six o'clock? I'm shooting a music video for my brother. It's one o'clock. I got five hours to get prepared. Like I've been wanting to trade the truth this whole time because he signed to Bobby D. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm prepared for him, but I'm like, bump box. I don't know. But you gotta spend that time. And mm-hmm. that's how quick things will transition. Spend five hours. I did a cool interview. It's dope. That's mm-hmm. dope, man. That's dope. I remember uh what stuck out to me is when you had uh Don Cannon on. Salute. Yeah, and basically before you uh brought him on, you just ran down his accolades and you know. Some people, they 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 have this buildup that's not really good, but you were just basically like, you know, you might know him from here, this and this. He was mm-hmm. also had credits and this, and he did this, and he was kind of crossed his arms like, oh, shit, this dude. I just damn near really know who <laughs> Yeah, this dude psychoanalyzed about. my whole career. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it was pretty dope to see that you really gave a shit. Yeah. You know, you actually, you, you did a deep dive, and, and it probably had him bring his shoulders down, because they do, people do a lot of interviews. So they probably just like, let me get this shit over with, you know? Yeah. But then he heard that and it, that really let his, sh- his shoulders down after that. Bro, like maybe 70% of all my interviews, I get them all through. I be in people's DMs, keep it 100. Yeah. I be in people's DMs and I, I got, I That's, guess I got the right formula to send them because they respond back. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. That's what you're supposed to do though. That, like people, people are so fucked up. They think that DMing people is weird. It's How social media. Closed mouths mm. don't get fed. You're going to be hungry and wondering why the next motherfucker got something you didn't. That's mm. real. Like the whole communication between us three happened in DM. Facts. Mm-hmm. Facts. And it's like, you know, the the way that you presented yourself, I was like, okay, this dude is, it seemed like a cool guy. Yeah. And then I looked at your work. You obviously had looked at ours. And I'm like, I mean, this works. Because mm-hmm. me and Keith, we don't have, we don't have a lot of guests on here facts um but when we do it's usually somehow keith knows them or i know them you're someone that we haven't met but there's some mutuals there but we just we respected what you did mm-hmm. so that. so that's why we have you on mm-hmm. you know i uh, think the first time i heard about your podcast was um when you had brian hooks on yeah okay. that's another and one. then Salute. uh yeah somebody had sent it to me and it was around a time because um, we had a me and Brian Hooks had a, we'd be having a conversations here and there. I, I want to potentially make a movie with him one day. So somebody had shot that to me. I was like, oh okay, somebody really moving out here in, mm-hmm. the, in the podcast Thank world. You. Yeah, so Man, cool. shout out Brian Hooks. He just had my whole family inside of his movie Adam and Eve. He had us come out oh, to really? the Bay Area. That was dope. And he's gonna be on Netflix, and he had us be a family. And like you know, being an extra, you don't have lines. Right. Yeah, but when you get an opportunity, you recognize someone's feeding you a bone. You better eat that motherfucker like <laughs> no one has ever ate it before. Mm-hmm. Facts. And so, pretty much, my daughter when the pizza came out, she yelled out "pizza," and the producer ran from behind the back. And was like, "Oh no, you got to film just her saying that." My little daughter, she's three, going on four years old, and she earned herself a spot. Wow, that's and, dope. You know, I talked about the pizza cheese. Like I said, my little parks and ran a pizza place. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be easy. Yeah. And so, you know, throw some sauce on there. I learned that from Fatboy. Fatboy said, whatever you do, throw some sauce on there. They're going to make sure that, oh, that's not like anything else. Yeah. Mm. And so I threw some sauce on there and I got myself a little speaking part. And then Brian, you know, he gave us love and we was at, it's just like two Sundays ago. That was dope, man. That was a good look, man, for sure. I, we was just, um, we had a another, we went to uh, 
LA this past weekend and um you know funny Marco he does a lot of like the reactions inside of like Walmart and stuff. Yeah, the dude that be doing he does pranks inside of like Walmarts. <laughs> yeah. Like he act like he blind, he be punching air and shit. Or he'll be in a Walmart on his Bluetooth and he'll be you'll be in there talking and yeah. people think they talking to him. <laughs> But yeah. anyway, he's he's a he's a. No, like I've seen him, but it's yeah. not his name not registered. No, my mm, my right. son and my daughter. I mean, my son and my wife. They both are addicted to videos on mm. Instagram, mm-hmm. TikTok, Facebook. Yeah, and we send each other videos like nonstop. And, oh, yeah. You know, it helps us get through our day. Seeing other people go through some shit or create a prank. And then there's nothing like a six-year-old trying to prank on you. <laughs> It'd be so obvious too. Yeah. But no, I say that to say um, the same same type of situation. Like we went out there and we was just having this like basically this brainstorming session about, you know, different funny skits we can do. And uh, me and some of my boys, we just kind of like finagled our way in there. Like we was we was supposed to just shoot it. And then when, when another guy came out with us, the one that actually, actually met when you walked in, DJ, um, the taller one, um, he finagled his way into like two or three skits with him, and that's Salute. that's saying just do some sauce on it, you know. Yeah, so come on, come on, mm-hmm. and that will separate you. That will have you in a position like, no, that's undeniable. We need mm-hmm. that on this plate right here, mm-hmm. and you know that creates opportunity. And now you go from being one person that has three thousand followers to fourteen thousand the next day. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened to you. Uh, yeah, pretty much. God damn, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, I seen that. I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, <laughs> so got like, like 14,000, 14 something. Fourteen, yeah. I'm trying to get it more, but it's like it's crazy because you interview a couple of people and then they put you on your story, right? And oh. that's really like really what got me out there it was got being you. put on people's stories, right. and you know I'm grateful. Like, yeah, but I haven't been able to keep it up because I stayed at fourteen thousand. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the 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 dope thing is is like for example you know after this podcast you know we we tag you put you on stuff there's gonna be some people that subscribe to what you're doing that's what this is all about yeah. sharing platforms to bring awareness to other creatives and I mean that's, I'm cool with that mm-hmm. personally bro like you know I'm born in L A but a majority of my life I've spent in Bakersfield and 100%. college time I went back to L A lived in the hood did some crazy stuff and it was like. I miss Bakersfield. <laughs> like on some real. Like yeah. I interned and bumped in at a studio and like it was crazy stuff I was able to go through and see and witness and experience. But at the same reflection, it wasn't home in my feeling. Like being born in LA and running the streets in LA, I still felt more home in Bakersfield. Wow. And so I came back to Bakersfield. I eventually my high school someone I went to high school with, I eventually married her and wow. we have two children and you know I'm it feels happily ever after because at this point I'm able to do what I want to do. That's good. Mm-hmm. Versus I had to struggle and figure shit out because I dropped out of college and right. chased a dream of music and yeah, you know you go through your your highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know all about the highs and lows. <laughs> I'm also a college dropout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with us. We over here smiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know what I've learned too is um, education does not always have to be formal. I think that when you drop out of college, like, okay, Keith has a degree mm-hmm. and higher education is a great thing. It's a great thing. Appreciate it. But for me, I drive trucks. Um, I do okay for myself, not rich, but while, while we're talking, this is what I love doing. And I didn't find out that until I got into my thirties. Man, personally, bro, I was in a program, uh, shout out to 
Compassion Christian Center, they had me in a program where I learned how to do stuff to oil fields. Okay. And one of the courses in that class was how to do a truck driving. Uh-huh. And so we learned all these skills and I found my ass not able to get a job in the oil fields. And I started working at Rusty's and got trapped there for like seven years. And Ooh. I became a manager and made okay. them a lot of money, but did not make no money. <laughs> <laughs> they buying houses go. and nice trucks and cars. Like, no, you know, you got to get power because they gave me game. And at the same time, I returned it with, with revenue. There they gave go. me yeah. opportunity. They said I could do this. I did it like that. Mm-hmm. And so perspective is, just, you know, the whole growth thing. And as I sit here with you guys, I feel like, you know, I'm way more mature versus Back then when I was running the streets being dumb and wild. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing why I feel important to open my voice and, and you know, have my podcast and talk about the struggle because I've been afraid of success. Mm. And, mm. you know, from that growth to what you guys do, you guys aren't afraid to speak your opinion. You guys are from Bakersfield. And, you know, I had to be a part of it. Like I tried to get as much Bakersfield as I could in my first season. Mm-hmm. And in my second season, once the people got behind there, I was like, oh, I got to grow. I got to show I can do something with what they gave me. Yeah. And there's nothing like having all these big factors call Snoop Dogg and asking about some guy named Zylo or Juan Dollars, and he don't know who the fuck I am. So he got to call Bobby <laughs> D and see who the fuck I am. Right. And he's having like Be Legit call him and wow. uh, Brian Hooks called him and like wow. uh, Don Cannon, Cassidy, Soren Baker, like hella people have called him personally. Like, man, wow. who is this guy? Because mm-hmm. they be blown away. And, you know, that's the whole approach of what I try to do is like, I want to be organic. I also don't want to be thirsty for what you're doing. Like There you go. I don't want to be DJ Vlad. I don't want to be right, 22. I don't want to That's put all bad. your business on front street so that we could talk about it in a negative way and Thank have you. you feel that way. I'd rather you talk about your accolades and your growth and what there you're you willing go. to share from that. And then we grow from that. Thank you. There you, go. you know, and what's cool is, is being as we've, we're watching these other platforms and a lot of them are popular, but that doesn't mean it's great content. Facts. It's it's just um, uh, uh, what would be the word? Glorified trash is what I call it. <laughs> like if you, if you got Adam twenty two, and I'm sure he's a pretty sharp dude, but the content he has, where you got these girls on there and they talk about what they did to athletes and all, it's just like this is just garbage. You can have a productive and engaging conversation and get the same amount of uh, enthusiasm from the listeners. Instead of talking about fuck shit, man, we got enough of that shit going on. Come on, come on. Yeah. That we could change the landscape of, you know, these the podcast world just by having human to human conversations. Yeah, that, it reminds me of like both of these things are technically reality TV, right? Something that's on the Discovery Channel versus like reality, you know, exactly. live and hip hop. Both of those are technically reality, but one has more sustenance than the other one. There so, you go. You know. Yeah, I think we try to, you know, take up that space where we, we want to inform people. We want to have like genuine conversations. We want to learn about people. We also want to learn about ourselves. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you guys fill the void. Mm-hmm. There is Appreciate a void. It. And that's the perspective that, you know, anyone that does jump into this field, you can't jump into a crowded space and expect results. Mm. You have to come Facts. at another angle and fill the void. That's real. And, you know, that's another reason why I really appreciate you guys and what you guys do, because mm-hmm. you guys hit them with it's not necessarily current content, but it's content you guys are comfortable discussing mm-hmm. and putting your emphasis on what you guys feel is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's important because a lot of people put out what they feel people want to hear. Mm-hmm. That's True. crazy. True. I think for you, what I what I noticed is like you can you can feel that that space where you celebrities or you know different influencers youtubers whatever 
they're going to keep rocking with you just because you you're a genuine person. And like you said, it's not no Vlad. No. We, we ain't trying to incriminate nobody. It's just like it's just genuine conversations. You're gonna ask good questions. Yeah. And it's not it's not gonna be on no nonsense. And then people gonna be like, yo, like whenever I got a press run, whenever I got a my album coming out, whatever, I'm a you know, I'm gonna hit they up. Gonna holler. Yeah. You it's come across you come across as a dude. Let me explain. <laughs> a dude that you could sit down and talk to. Appreciate it. Because what's the problem is, is most times with these these celebrities or these these uh, high influencers, somebody always wants something from them. And the conversations that you have, it's just like, let's sit down and talk. Yeah. It's not like I want something from you because that'll turn people off. Facts. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. for example, like anybody that I want to talk to, it's almost like I have something to offer. Like I'm, I'm, I'm approaching that situation with something to offer mm-hmm. immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, this is what I do X and Y, whatever the case, but you kind of got to go through it over your head of how you approach people in DMS. Like mm-hmm. that's important. Also facts. That's why I was telling Keith, like the way we had the interaction, I was like, you know, he hollered at me, he hollered at Keith. I hollered back at him. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't on some, like, we've all had them weird DMS. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and it's like, I don't know what's going on, man. Mm-hmm. I, I like I got to take time to open this up because I don't even know what to say to it. Mm-hmm. Facts. Yeah. Well, you go ahead and mark that thing unread still. <laughs> <laughs> and hope they didn't see the scene part. Oh man, yeah. They said they had a trick. I don't know if it works still, but they used to put it on airplane mode, and then you would click on the message and then open it up and look at it. But I guess oh. when you put it back. You know, once you take it off of airplane mode or exit out of the app, it just shows it still, still shows red. Wow. I don't know if that works, Ooh. but that's just something Cheat I heard. Cheat code. No, what if that don't work and then you think it did and then you get another message like, nigga, I see you read my shit. <laughs> that's when you slide that motherfucker to the left yeah. and hit the little lines <laughs> and hit unread. You know? <laughs> oh, man. No, but I'll tell you guys one thing that I have learned from this is that, you know, you do have to be selective on who you do interview. I interviewed a brother. His name was J.W. Lucas, Uh, mm -hmm. and he became the what is it? The donkey on on Charmelaine's Breakfast Club. (laughs) And he became like so many other things. He got into an argument with uh, Tamika Mowry, which is, you know, she runs. She's co-founder of Until Freedom. She's Mm -hmm. a big part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Oh, I think I know you're talking about. It's the white dude. And everybody canceled. Yeah, they canceled him. Yes, I see. And so I interviewed him before, way before any of this. And we went on some off the raw Richter conversation. I could be deep and spiritual. It's in my nature, like Mm -hmm. to be deep and so we had this deep ass conversation and talking about low empathies so that you know creates higher percentages and so that shit will work for you yeah and he's produced for little uzi vert exo tour yeah. life he did jack harlow's what's popping he did the woo for pop smoke robin oh, rich mm-hmm. he's done hits mm-hmm. and the baby can't stop which is the first it's the intro song on uh Blaming on Baby's album. Mm-hmm. And so he's done all of this. And so in my standpoint, he's a diamond producer. We're going to mm-hmm. have this conversation. He plugged me with uh, Joe Rogan and some other cat. And so now they're listening to my stuff. I'm on Hub. Go three weeks later, this motherfucker posts some old out-of-pocket shit about Breonna Taylor deserved to get killed. And it's like, hold on, bro. I don't stand for none, none of that shit. Don't yeah. no one deserve to get killed by the police. Don't no one deserve to go through any of that. Right. Whatsoever. Right. Because mm-hmm. I've done some crazy shit, and I for sure didn't want to get smoked over there. See my folks get smoked, nothing. They done raided the house, and I go on and on. Right. And 
for him to say that and be so like brandish about it, I was like, no, I got to detach myself. But little did I know that people saw his thing on my page oh. and they started putting the clown sign on my shit and tagging Snoop Dogg. Come get your boy. <laughs> oh, no. It's literally my son's birthday, bro. I swear to God. And oh, we headed to Sequoia no. National Park. And I'm literally battling like I'm driving up. I'm not telling my wife what's going on. I'm going up to Porterville Highway. And like I'm battling this shit. I'm deleting comments. I'm responding back to people in DMs. Like, no, nah, I'm not associated with him. I interviewed him because of his accolades. Yeah. God. And then like my publicist told me, like, don't respond to nobody. Just delete it and change everything that you have on there. So I listened to her. I changed everything on there. I stood for what I stand for. Mm-hmm. And I put, you know, justice for Breonna Taylor, Black Lives Matter. Uh-huh. And, you know, put in that standpoint, I had a couple little more things pop off and it ironed out. And then until Freedom gave me an opportunity to interview their co-founders. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the whole moral of my story is that, you know, you make the right decision, you stand by it and, you know, you're okay with what you've done and and you go through it. Something may happen. And I got blessed to interview the co-founders of Until Freedom, a brother that helped get Meek Mills out of prison. And and pretty much he was a part of exonerating the uh, the uh, what you call it, the some five. Central Park? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he was a part of getting them uh, exonerated, and he just did a lot. That's Angelo. And then my son, he was a big-time rapper. My mm-hmm. son, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what he was able to do when he was wrongfully accused and did time for it and just their whole landscape of what they did, not I was blessed to interview him. That's crazy. That's crazy, man. That's so a good in, that, in, the, in the context of that, the interview, what's the guy's name, the producer's name again? J.W. Lucas. J.W. Lucas. Um there wasn't any of that conversation in the interview, but since he yeah. did an interview with you, he everybody just associated. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, people can't think for themselves. Yeah. They get guilty association. Mm-hmm. That's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what made it worse too, the, the elephant in the room is the fact that, you know, since you didn't look like me or Keith, you didn't get the benefit of the doubt. They just Come thought on. you was with the bullshit. Come on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's our question. Yeah. And you know, the irony, right, is that I recently was on Fox. So I was on the Mike and Donnie show. Really blessed to have been on there. And we go through the whole show and they don't realize I'm white. And, you know, there came a point where I'm talking about being a parent, it's a parenting episode. I'm talking about raising my black son mm-hmm. and having to deal with the police and having to explain things to him from being white. And they would stop me dead in my tracks. And I was like, hold up, you white? Yeah, you look kind of racially ambiguous, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I do. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, you could go for a couple of different things. Yeah, I got a, a guy I grew up with named Jonathan, and he looked exactly like you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought. I, well, honestly, I thought you was probably like Mexican. That's what I would assume. I am partially Mexican. Oh, okay, okay, okay. There's some Irish in there. There's some more stuff. Like from that show, they had hella comments saying that I need to check ancestry and see what's actually in my blood. <laughs> and so, yeah, we, we spent the hundred dollars and did that. So I get a more cool. thorough answer. Like I know my grandfather swam across the border and fought in World War One. Oh wow! He's from Aguas Caliente. Like that's oh, my mom's okay. dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then my mom's mom was in the war and she was like this blonde white lady that had curly hair big old lips and so wow. blue eyes it didn't make sense so we're gonna find out what our what our actual stuff is from my dad's side is like they have a good history no. and so it, yeah that's all i know that's dope that's a trip <laughs> at man. least you know though that's cool yeah i need it we need to check ours You'd yeah probably be shocked i need to do that at, yeah we need to probably be shocked at what's going on back there <laughs> but my sister has not known like i ain't trying to put a business out there but my sister just found out like her heritage from doing ancestry mm-hmm. 
And, you know, we never knew who her dad was. Oh. So she's trying to find out. She found out she got family members in Bakersfield and L.A. And she hasn't known this like her whole life. Oh and it's God. crazy as shit. Mm-hmm. And she finds out like she has like three or four different nations of, in Africa that she's in her blood. Mm-hmm. And like you know what it's like growing up, like man, could I be Puerto Rican? Could I be this? Could I be that? And not knowing, mm-hmm. right? That's true. And then you know having this ability now, it's just it's an eye opener. At the same yeah. time, it give you some more explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you might know. look at your ancestor, you just think you black, and it'd be like forty percent Latino. You be like, what? Yeah, it'd from be the like Caribbeans that. or something. Yeah, that- <laughs> Keith, yeah. Keith, Keith, straight from Colombia. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's crazy, trip, man. Yeah, I think we. I think the one one thing that I I get kind of mad at myself for is not asking my great grandma more questions, because that's like one of those things where, you know, she got all the answers, and that's my dad's grandma. Right. She passed away a couple years ago, but she and she from Texas, and you know, that's about as far as I know about her history. But if she it only if she all she did was just tell me what her her dad's name was or what her mom's name was that would be so much more that i can you know learn about myself and my history but you know yeah. i don't even know the answer to those questions wow so it looks like you're gonna be on ancestry they gotta run us a check telling you this podcast is sponsored by ancestry.com are you black yeah i've seen some people posting those little things and and for some, it's pretty um, like you like, oh, I'm not shocked by that. But some you'd be like, what? My um, my my uncle's girl is estranged partner. I don't mm-hmm. know what you would call it. But um, she she was always native to like the family whenever you right. know they was growing up. But the, um, they just recently found out she got like 12, 13 percent Nigerian in her. So, what? you know, she can go around and say she's black now. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, enough, that's enough black. We, uh, apparently. You ever, have, you ever, have you ever seen somebody that was like like a white dude, but he uh-huh. had like a legit afro? Like a yeah, I've seen that. Shout out to the Jewish community. <laughs> yeah, no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew a kid that was uh, white, straight white, at least to our knowledge. His, both of his parents was white. Mm-hmm. Um, he has waves dipping like a, like a black dude. I'm yeah. blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from my standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Waves. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, uh, somebody's not telling the truth. <laughs> the milkman. Yeah. Somebody stopping by. <laughs> the, the, the DVD CD man was stopping by. The, uh, man, they was giving something for free that day. <laughs> <laughs> On both ends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I always be, I be feeling bad. I know this guy in, um, his name, I don't want to put his name out there, but he's Filipino. Uh-huh. Both of his parents used to drop him off at the bus stop. And um, both of his straight Filipino, like you could see it, like dark skin, you know, Asian features and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but to us, he always looked black. Like if you've seen the difference between his parents, how his yeah. parents look and what they pushed out. <laughs> It's a story there that's somebody lying. Because, <laughs> man, he looked like he got some, because his hair is like mine. He's, he could grow an afro, he can get waves and everything. Yeah, but. A lot of Polynesian people are like that too. Really? Like Samoans. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, but never get a Samoan and a tongue and fucked up. Yeah. you can get fucked up. Yeah, I already know. I already yeah. know. They'd be like, what'd you say? Yeah. Yeah. I ain't talking about that. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some dudes, uh, especially when I was over at BC, it's like you think that they black and they'd be like, oh, no, nah, man, I'm Samoan, bro. Yeah. Like, what? 
They just, be having them a lot different. It, it's honestly, you could look at every ethnicity and be like, "Hey, you black," and then be like, "Nah, I knew a Mexican dude that looked like that. I knew <laughs> white dude, Bruh, all kinds of stuff." I saw someone like six three Asian dude, white skin with a black afro. Yeah, and it fucked my head up because, like, at that point, I've only seen Asian people like my height, five nine, five, you know, yeah, like yeah, around yeah. that. That's tall. Yeah. My mom's Mexican. She's short, so you know the, the shit hits me too. Mm-hmm. But when I saw him at six three with an afro, I was so fucked up. I didn't <laughs> want to play basketball that day. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Wow. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, a uh, question in regards to the name contrast uncut. What's the origin story behind that? Oh, yeah. So pretty much uh, I grew up in a multicultural home. My sister is black and okay. she pretty much helped raise us. And my mom's Mexican. And she, My sister had kids, young gay. So I've always been the contrast. Like oh. I'm in the culture, but my skin is white. I'm at everything. They know like I'm not looking for white women. Uh, <laughs> they, they see it from a mile away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that always stuck out that I was always sticking out compared to everybody else. So I was always yeah. a contrast. And so I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to run with contrast. And then I'm hella uncut. Like, I say whatever the fuck I feel, no filter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it has a degree of thinking at some point in there. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it comes out. And so, you know, from there, I ran with it and ran it across the producer. And he was like, run with it. <laughs> That's real. And I think it's it's not forced. And it's, it's genuine. People, what happens is, is you become... I won't say a product of your environment, but it's a big it plays a big role in who you are. So let's say, for example, you're a black dude, but you live in a predominantly white space. That's going to it's going to it's going to affect you. It's going to affect how you move. If you're a person, we know that the Stockdale. Oh, yeah. Kids, you know, we know when you look at them like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is one of those things, man. Or if, if you're non-black, but you're around black, you're not trying to be black. That's just who you are. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, a uh, what's a perfect example? Like Paul Wall. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. I listen. If I listened to him on a podcast, and I was forgot he was white. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm talking about. I was like, oh shit, Paul Wall, bro. Personally, I've been in a studio session, and I was at. A, I ain't trying to throw too much names, but I'm in a whole studio session. I'm in North Hollywood, mm-hmm. and at the end of the session, like it's like four o'clock in the morning. Okay, and the engineer walked away finally, and he's a white dude, and I'm the only other white person in mm-hmm. there. He was like, I know what he is. He's white, but what the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And it's facts. Shout out Ray Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You know, you know what I, I was in the, the uh, studio the like past weekend with the whole skits and stuff that we were doing. And I just realized how inefficient like a lot of those studio sessions be. Like I walked in, they playing Madden, they smoking weed, and I'm like, these guys, multi platinum artists and stuff like that, you yeah. know, selling hundreds of thousands of uh, albums and stuff, and they in here just chilling, Bruh, like, spending two, three thousand dollars for that twelve hour block. Yeah, <sighs> like. When I seen they had they had booked out both uh, like two studios like right next to each other so they could have the the door to, the door that walks through both sides and um, for the most part it's just a, not to say that there's anything <clears throat> wrong with what they're doing it's just an right. inefficient process yeah yeah mm-hmm. well maybe I don't know what what if that's a part of their creative process what if that's the element they need to create. Yeah. Like they, so. they, they play a mad and they get mm-hmm. blown out. Oh, nigga, I got a song called Blowed Out. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Let's run it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let's run it. Because I think that when you look at you know, situations like that, I'm pretty sure like a session with like a Jay-Z or Pharrell is going to be a little, probably a little more focus-based. Yeah. Because they did like a documentary. It was for the Black Album. It was years yeah. ago it came out. And then like Pharrell was in there and the Jay-Z and they just looked like they was just working. Yeah. Like the whole time just working, working. Yeah. Jay-Z worked fast too. So I, yeah. I wouldn't compare that to he most other. Yeah. He, <laughs> just, he can hear a song and be like, okay, I'm ready. And it's going in the booth. Yeah. And he just be literally going in the booth, don't he? Hell yeah. Oh That's It's God. so amazing to me. I, that Fade to Black, uh, the documentary you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. I, I, I've watched that from time to time and I'm just like, yo, this dude is... That's Italy. genius level <laughs> stuff. Dude, that's different. crazy. And yeah. a lot of times you don't you don't realize that until years later. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important. Like whatever you're working on, I'm working on, we're working on. Why it's important to really stay loyal to the soil because right now people may not see it, but in the next four or whatever years they're gonna be like, damn. Those three dudes is on the same podcast together. Mm-hmm. You, know? <laughs> yeah. you, you kind of got to have a forward thinking like yeah, way facts. of looking at it. And, yeah. and like when you believe in yourself, that's kind of how you think. Cool. Yeah. You know, years ago, it wasn't that you said earlier, you said something like, oh, you know, I was afraid of success. And I was like, I can relate to that. Because I was the same person. Yeah. Where you don't see yourself. Come on. Come on. It's you, not the same person in the mirror that everybody else see. Right. Yeah. Right. I think yeah, that's crazy too. Like I, sometimes I think about certain situations, like athletes I played ball with, or you just talked about Jake Varner. Right. Um, I was, I think I was at Iowa State, maybe the year or so after you know he graduated college and stuff like that. Or Dope. even with like Brian Hooks, like he came to my third grade class, and it was right after three strikes that came out, and he gave yeah. autographs, and you know his mom's a teacher and whatnot, so, so she was, was my his teacher. Brother. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you just kind of look back on those situations, you'd be like, "Yo, look, these like moments in history that you know nobody can take away from you." So. Come yeah. on, those are the greatest <clears throat> blessings. Like, yeah, there's times, bro. Like I don't know what's going on all the way growing up, mm-hmm. and like my stepdad worked for a lighting company. Like they did all the events, ELS. Uh-huh. Electric Lighting Services. They did the, like, uh, uh, what is it called? The movie premieres, concerts at the okay. House of Blues. Oh, yeah. And, like, I did Space Jam. They did the Academy Awards. Like, I've done crazy shit where I'd be on the wrong side at the wrong time. <laughs> and very rarely I was on the right side at the right time. Yeah. And one of those moments I was at the right side at the right time was I didn't know I was talking to BB King. Oh God damn! I'm That's at crazy. the House of Blues. <laughs> That's a spot. Yeah, it is. I'm spot. at the House of Blues. Mm-hmm. My stepdad's breaking down the set. It's a big brother <laughs> sitting down with a guitar on a big old chair in the center of the stage. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, man, what make this motherfucker so special? I'm really gonna talk to him. <laughs> and no yeah. one stopped me. I how how up old were you? I was probably like ten. Oh wow! And I don't know jazz music. My stepdad, like, he's a white dude. He didn't really like appreciate music like that. My mom used to sneak and let us listen to music. My Mm -hmm. sister just slapped everything. So that's really what helped put us on the shit. Yeah. But when I'm talking to him, I didn't know who he was. And then after like the third time talking to him, my stepdad was like jealous. Like, man, why you keep on talking to BB King? (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know who he is, but we're talking about anything and everything. Wow. That's crazy, man. That's that's the power of like just talking to people though. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, some certain situations like I'll be in, you know, like I worked on as a PA out in Hollywood for a little bit and it's just different, you know, celebrities walking by and you see Tay Diggs and all kind of people and I think at a certain instance you want to like be mindful that they mm-hmm. they want their privacy and stuff like that, but 
I remember one time, um, Chris Spencer, a comedian, I had seen him in his dressing room and I was just like, I walked by him and I was like, man, I ain't gonna say nothing. And then something told me to like, just go back and talk to him. And I was like, hey, what's up, man? Like, how you doing? And we chopped it up for like two minutes maybe. And then I just took off. But it's like those instances where you just be like, yo, like, I'm glad I said something. Or I'm glad I had the, you know, the boss to go up and to speak to these yeah. people. Because you, you you see him down the line. I, I see him. Maybe we do a podcast together. And I'll be like, hey, right. man, we use that. Mm-hmm. He was working in LA. I talked to you. All this kind of stuff. Like another thing too is this shit is this shit is a gold mine. <clears throat> like the whole podcasting thing, it still hasn't reached the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Nah. You know, there's so many different podcasts, but on top of that, like you got guys like Rogan making these huge deals. Yeah. And then what's crazy too is you look at some podcasts. No disrespect, but it, it'll be. Um, like we mentioned the no jumper and it's not the trashing but just the content's weird if I could look at someone do things and this is the right or wrong thing is subjective I guess but if I could look at somebody do something the wrong way imagine if you do it the right way come on you know what I mean mm-hmm. like I'm not here to cut people down I'm not here to do some fuck shit yeah and I feel like I can make it doing that mm-hmm. maybe I'm naive mm-hmm. or maybe I just believe in myself <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man. Um, Comfortable confidence makes greatness. Right. And this element, and that's something that I've always stuck to. That like once I've realized that's where I'm at, my greatest element is where I'm comfortable and I'm confident. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like, okay, from whatever I'm doing, from running a restaurant to help managing my brother and doing concerts and just evolving as I grow with the process, it always was where am I comfortable at and where am I confident at? There you go. And then how do I grow from there? And that's where, you know, we continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%, man. I, I think that's what, that's, I think that's the objective. And when you really think about it, I, me and Keith talk about this quite a few times. You really don't have a choice but to believe in yourself. And the Come reason, on. the reason why is because we're all going to die someday. Mm-hmm. Facts. Like, that's the biggest motivational tool. We're all going to fucking die. I know people don't like talking about that, but yeah, when we're gone, you don't get a second chance at this shit. Nah. So even if I don't reach the apex of where I want to be and I'm gone by that time, people could say, hey, that dude fucking went for it. Like yeah. that guy was going for it. Come and, on. And then you could be, what did Tupac say? You could be uh, the brain that sparks the person that changes mm-hmm. the world or whatever the case. Yeah. There's another Keith and Eddie and there's another Zylo, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that, that are listening to this shit. There's somebody listening to this podcast and they're like, I've been thinking about creating one now. I really want to do it. Yeah. You know, my friends and family have been telling me not to do it. Why the fuck would you listen to them? <laughs> Man. They don't got a podcast. I don't think anyone with a podcast would ever tell somebody, like, not to not to do that. Facts. Yeah. yeah. Facts. Like, when I've interviewed people and then, like, a couple weeks later, they'll have their own and they'll hit me up and say I've inspired them or something along those lines. That's good. It feels good. There's no hatred whatsoever. You want to help them. Mm-hmm. What do you need help in? What don't you know? What are you using? Yeah. And then you ask those questions so that you guys grow because there's going to come a point where they may have a big sponsorship that, hey, what's this marketing director's information? There you go. And, you know, you guys are able to play on that platform versus like, man, I'm not helping them. And then you ain't helping yourself either. You're blocking your own blessing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's been some people we've came in contact with just, you know, through like Instagram, people that have their own platforms. Um, uh, me and Keith, uh, Kamal and Byron. 
Mm-hmm. Shout out to you guys, Kamal and Byron. Mm-hmm. Um, we see them putting their content. I like checking them out. And it's, it feels good using social media for what it's really for. Come on, mm-hmm. platform. Yeah, it, to, to really, you know, create awareness, you know, to show people love. I don't know if you're familiar, but you know how sometimes you see advertisements on Instagram? Like yeah. you'll see somebody that got like a rap video and they pay the ad and you'll see it or whatever. What I do is I'll be like, I listen and it'll be something that I like. I'll be like, yo, this is dope. I purposely go and I inbox these people and I'll be like, hey, man, keep going. I really like that song. I seen your song on this advertisement and I make a point to do it because you don't know where that person is in their in their process. Maybe they're tired. They want to give up. And I'll be like, man, keep going. And, and usually it's the same response like, oh, man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And maybe that's what it needed to keep them going. Come on. You Shout know? out Ferrari Simmons. Uh, he found Roddy Rich when he was on Facebook earlier in his career and he was begging for people to listen to him. Wow. And, you know, Ferrari Simmons is huge now. He's a he's uh, he's been on my show. That's the reason why I know so much about him. Yeah. But he's the program director of 94.5 Streets Atlanta, like one of the biggest radio stations in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He's broke a lot of big people, but it takes that same energy of what you're putting out into the world mm. of saying that, no, I got your confirmation for you. Mm-hmm. I received that. There you go. That was dope. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And that goes a long, lot, lot further than, you know, anything else with people because that's free and that's free love. There you go. Exactly. And I'll tell you what else, too. I found this guy, shout out to AGB. This guy is a rapper named AGB. He, I found him on an advertisement. Not a really popular guy, but he makes really fucking good music. So I went to his uh, his SoundCloud and I was like, man, nice track, man. This is good. And he responded and he was like, oh, man, I appreciate it. And I, I think I looked at his, um, uh, I found him on Spotify too. His numbers aren't very high, very, very low, but he makes good content. It takes a special person to reach out and like something, even when other people don't. Come on. Most people don't like you. They don't feel comfortable saying that they like you until the mass to the masses come and say, oh, that's dope. Now they want to say it's dope. I don't give a fuck if you get seven listens a month. Yeah. If I think your shit's dope, I'm going to say it. And I feel like I feel like um, as this this platform grows or as our our platforms grow, I want to continue to be that same guy. I don't care if, you know. We're ranked whatever number podcast in America and we're making a lot of money. We're having a great time. I'm still going to be the guy that tells that person that's got 14 listens a month. I'll be like, hey, you got good content. Keep it up. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, that's all it takes. That's what it takes, man. Mm-hmm. Me? That keeps them going. Yeah. Creativity is mm-hmm. a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. You, you can have good days. You can have bad days. Mm-hmm. You can have days like, man, I didn't think that was going to happen. I didn't think this and this and this was going to come mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And then you got days like, how come it's not going like yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> you can't control it. Yeah. I remember Keith told me something a long time ago, like, don't become a slave to the analytics. Because when we first started, we were just like, oh, man, I was like, dang, we did good there, but then we need to do good here. What do we you don't need to keep readjusting what you're doing. You could refine it, get a little bit better, be a little more sharper. That's fine. But you can't control the analytics. You know, they're going to be what they are, mm-hmm. you know, um, just focus on doing what you're doing. Me and Keith got well over 10,000 hours of content. We've been doing this shit over two years and have not missed one week of content. My question to... Ooh. Yeah. Every week. Salute, brother. <laughs> Salute. Yeah. And and it's not only because we've made that commitment to ourselves and, and the listener, but when you really believe in where you're going, there's a different energy to it. You know what I mean? The most important thing you just said right there is when you know where you're going... Because mm-hmm. a lot of people think that analogy is all about the, the, you know, the destination. They forget they have to arrive. 
Mm. And I think a lot of the times, you know, everyone has this idea and they never arrive at their location. They just settle for something along the way. And that's something that you guys can really, you know, own because they can't take 131 episodes away from you guys. Mm-hmm. No. And the commitment. I mean, that's undeniable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, when I, there's certain sources that really motivate me. And one of them is the, the rapper Russ. He's one of them. Yeah, this dude had 11 albums flop. 11. And he's a young guy. Was he 20, 27, 28 or something? No, yeah, 27? 20, I think he's 28. And he's a young guy. He's been doing it over 10 years. And you look at his music when he first started, and it was like, ah, he's young. It wasn't great. And then he gets better, and he gets better. And then I went down his catalog, and I'm like, this shit been dope for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, my thing, too, is this. I have, I'm not saying I'm like some... You know, I have an ear for music because I have a really uh, wide, like, wide spectrum of music I listen to. Hold on, man. Let's call the elephant in the room for what it is. You're a truck driver. You're in the truck <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> you ain't got nothing better than Facts. <laughs> so your ear got to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> that was comedy. Uh, no, that's facts, though. It's facts. <laughs> I was, f- I'll be finding shit and I'll be like, yo, this is dope. Like, I'll tell Keith and Keith would be like, oh, uh, that's good. and then i'll be listening and then eventually it starts to perk up a little bit and be like oh okay i think i've seen what you were talking about Mm -hmm. like 21 savage um i remember he released the album because i'm I'm what at the time i was like 32 30 no i was like 33 and being in your 30s is certain artists that you know a lot of people don't really gravitate to especially someone saying 21 21 21 (laughs) (laughs) but i was like you know what he makes good music for the type of music he makes. Mm-hmm, so facts. even if I'm not the biggest fan, I can respect what you do. I'm like, you know what? That guy's good because of the type of music he makes. Yeah. And Keith is like, ah, oh, I don't really listen. And then like he's eventually he's still like, you know, that's actually pretty dope. And then he came up with that song with J. Cole. <laughs> and I was like, that shit was hard. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't know. And, and that is true about the truck driving thing where your ears are open. You're trying to find new stuff. I listen to a ton of podcasts, uh, a ton of history podcasts. That's why when certain things happen and Keith will bring something up and then all of a sudden I'm well versed and I don't know why. And it's because I'm in that fucking truck (laughs) at work. But that's what makes it so interesting. And then you got Keith that's just, you know, he has a ton of knowledge just waiting to fire off. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. funny. Yeah, Keith will just start when he starts going off on something. I just start listening. <laughs> something I didn't know about. And then sometimes he'll use certain words, and I just act. I, I won't act like I know them, but I'll just wait. And he'll be like, you know, when you mix these two, it's like the perfect microcosm. And I'll be like, I never heard anybody use it in that way. I'm guilty of doing that shit too. I don't know if it happens to you, Keith. But sometimes I say a word, and it may be the weed I smoke, but I say a word, and then I have to look it up. Like, did I use that the right way? Because it flowed out so nice. Right, right. And where the fuck did this word come from? Yeah. And then right, it'd, it'd be right. It'd be right. Yeah. It'd be right. It'd be right. Because you hear it in context, and you just play. It's just a placeholder. You just put throw it in there. But after time. you say it, you kind of be like, oh man, mm-hmm. you know. But then you still just keep talking. And then uh, you find out that you used it. The you you've used the correct diction for what you were trying to explain. <laughs> yeah. uh, the worst is my kids. My six year old son, when he was like three, he was using curse words the right way. <laughs> <laughs> and like that moment of realizing that you know he understands how to use shit without understanding what shit means or fuck. 
And when those two words hit and he's saying it, and it's like you're laughing because you're a parent. Mm-hmm. And, well, not that you're a parent, but, you know, you're watching your kid like, oh, I used to do that. That's funny. <laughs> and then it gets embarrassing after a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. so right now his thing is flipping people off. Oh. Uh, and so he thinks he's slick just because he can't hear him flip you off. Mm-hmm. Oh. What is that like? Like, how do you, because I don't have kids, but how do you teach, like, somebody that young, like, right from wrong? Shit, you have to use experience and showing them stuff. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, we try to get him not to tell on people in the school. They start saying, stop snitching. And he takes it upon himself to learn what 6 9 means. And he's like, you're a 6 9. Nah. I promise oh. you, bro. He tells that to his little sister because she's telling on him for hitting her. Yeah. <sighs> Don't be a 6 9. It's like, come on, son. Yeah. First of all, we ain't going to say that man's name in this house. <laughs> Second of all, you shouldn't have been hitting her. So it's her right to say something about it. And then you got to break it down. Do you want me to hit you? Yeah. And he don't want to be hit. So, and it's just, it has to be broken down to common ground. That's mm-hmm. the one, like my dad died when I was four. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And so like growing up in the streets and listening to like, I pretty much used to not want to go home. Cause I didn't want to do what they were going on at home. My parents repossessed cars for a living. Oh, my stepdad and mom. And so, like, that should be wild. Mm-hmm. Stuck in the car for four hours, three hours. You arrive, and then you're trying to take someone's home. There, I mean, that's their pride and joy. Their car, yeah, and man. whatever they got in it, and they gonna have some problems. Like we've been had, you know, bricks thrown at the car. We've had people pull out guns. All type of stuff, and my parents, you know, they slick. Go send, go send Zylo in. He gonna find the car inside the parking parking lot. And, oh man! Like you know what? Fuck that! And mm-hmm. I take my risk saying I'm gonna stay at a friend's house that doesn't let me stay in the night. But my parents think I'm staying the night. Yeah. I'll be out all night, and then the gangsters make sure I get home. Yeah, man. that's a that sounds like a story. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Yeah, man, I tell you what though, in regards to kids, I think that whether you you teach them right from wrong. I think that some of the biggest influence they have is other kids their age. Yeah. Because I didn't curse around my parents at home, but when I went to school, I was cursing like a motherfucker. <laughs> All the kids were like, fuck, shit, dumb. That's, that's stupid. Like, And then you get home and you just switch. You can flip the switch. You don't curse around your parents. Yeah. And there's nothing you can really do. Another thing, too, parents don't realize is that you could raise your kids as well as you can but they're still their own person. Facts. Yeah. I've seen parents, great parents. They work professional jobs, doctors, lawyers, coaches, and they have like four kids. One is like a fireman. The next one is like, a, you know, some other profession, a doctor. And then one of them is like on drugs. You'd be like, what? Like they all grew happened. up in the same house. Mm-hmm. But one of them ended up being way different. Less attention. You think that's what it is? Come on, bro. I had six brothers and sisters. Oh, shit. Attention is everything. And you know what? You sort of chase what's what you get, re- like, response back, what you receive from. Yeah. And, that's real. I can know, see that. When you get received attention, shit, I was having people send me on taxis home. And I live, like, three miles away from the house. Mm-hmm. And it'd be cholos sending me home. And, like, I really don't mess with the cholos. Like, you know what I'm saying? I really I mess with my culture. Right. <laughs> and, but they're the ones looking out for me and telling me, like, what the fuck you doing out here? Oh. And then, hey, you want some french fries or you want some Popeyes? And, and all right, I got the taxi on the way. I want to see you tonight. I want to see you for a while. And then you'll see me a week later. Wow, man. 
At least you yeah. got free Popeyes. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love saying that too as a kid. I want some Papas, and he paying for it. And he ate my Papa. <laughs> that's crazy. I think that's real what you're saying. Though. You you yeah. see, um, especially people like for me, um, a, a constant theme that I see, and even in someone like the art that I create, it's this idea of like, like you said, like filling that void. Like so, for me. Um, I have a degree, but I also have cousins in prison. And a right. lot of that is because the absence of a father or, you know, their home life wasn't or, you know, Choices. similar to. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's too many kids to really take care of. The mom got to work to keep a house over everybody. So she's not necessarily like checking on your homework. She's not checking to see how you actually what your mental state is. So no, she making sure you get up to go to school because that's, that's how you get fed breakfast and lunch. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's used, crazy. Yeah. I used to love them free lunches in school. Come on. Come on. Especially <laughs> high school. High school oh, was the best. man. <laughs> what we had at BHS, we had a couple different lines. We had the line where they changed the menu every day. Yeah. Then we had a line that was like salads and uh, sandwiches. Sandwiches. Yeah. yeah. It was a subway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a subway for poor kids. And then it was uh, it was another line that had chicken sandwiches and burgers and fries. Yeah. And then it was a line in the corner where they had nachos and burritos. Mm-hmm. So what I think is is I think that they were it was like um, a low key segregation. <laughs> they had to set up had different cultures. <laughs> yeah. No, the worst days when they took the fruitopia out. The oh, bro. Uh, I don't know if y'all older. Yeah, nah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I am, bro. Yeah, of course. Bro, when they took it. the fruitopia out of there, I mean, bro, we had like friends that were younger than us. They were coming to our lunch, like you know, fourth period lunch. I mean, fifth period lunch because it was fourth period, and they was trying to steal the fruitopias and put them in the bag and get caught. Like, bro, you can only run around inside this damn gate. <laughs> that shit was good, bro. Fruitopia was fire. By the time that I got there, it was like it, those were like ancient artifacts. Like, yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, they had, we had Fruitopia in the cans. Yeah, it was in the can because mm-hmm. they had them in a the bottle too. But in the can, it was a cold. It was, it was fire. so bomb. Let me, okay, you you 33? 30, I turned 33 this year. Okay. Next month. Okay, check it out. Do you remember when Gatorade was in glass bottles, though? Hell yeah. It, <laughs> that shit was good. Come on. They, they, like, they, they only they, had two flavors. Which was uh, lemon, lime, and orange? No, it was lemon, lime, and fruit punch. Really? Was it was yellow 80s? and red. This is 91? 91? 92 or something. Okay, I think yeah, but they start coming out with the different flavor because they had red. That was the biggest one, but actually no, they did have other ones because it was a it was a picture of Michael Jordan drinking a tropical punch. Yep. Yeah, it was tropical great. punch Gatorade. Yeah, and that was in that was in the late eighties, early nineties. But that's MJ. He might have got the exclusive. He might have exclusive. <laughs> shit. <laughs> he had the North Carolina version. Come on, you know that's the closest state to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a trip, man. The biggest drinks of me and him was coming up was uh, Gatorade. Snapple was huge. Yep. Snapple. Uh, Shit, Powerade. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, when did Powerade pop off? I'm going to tell you one that you remember, but it was nasty. It was called... Uh, it was like a fake Powerade. All sport. All sport. Oh. <laughs> you remember that shit, Keith? <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness! It was tasted like medicine. <laughs> yeah, like medicine. They should have called that shit all chemicals. 
That's funny. That my shit. pops used to love that. He loved he those? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he loved it so much, he was called Powerade Allsport. Give me one of them Allsports from the store, but he really talking about Powerade or Gatorade. Oh, my God. That shit had too much sugar, man. Yeah. I don't know what his problem was. It just wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Allsport. It has a couple of nasty-ass drinks in the yeah. 90s, too, in the, in the early 2000s. You remember uh, Surge? Surge was nasty. Yeah, that shit was, was that like a Mountain Dew? Yeah, it was, it was almost that color. It was like a green, yellow, yeah, it was green. That's we was drinking. Terrible. We was drinking straight up science experiments back I'm then. Telling you, that shit sugar should, in it. That but, shit should have been at a science fair. You know, one of the things I look forward to is like playing football. Was when they made the Gatorade and whoever made it right, it was almost like Kool Aid. Because if you fucked I'm it dead. up, <laughs> we had problems. <laughs> we was literally just talking we about, talking that, about that, that the other day. day. Yeah. It's, it's like the powder mix, Bruh, You don't got the proportions right. <laughs> <laughs> how hard can that be? Uh, but it is a big Ooh. jug. I can see how you could. You, know, you talk about out of the big like big igloo things. Yeah. Oh man. And I remember put enough was the man. We used to love when the special trainer did that shit. Yeah. Like, I think I I might be wrong, but we used to have they they call them like horse like horses or, or like a oh with all the water fountains yeah where the little you squeeze it and you squirt it in your mouth or whatever that's that fancy shit <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody put Gatorade in one of those one day what? that was the most fire Gatorade wait, wait, wait what was it what was it in I don't know what you call they like a horse gathering I don't know what the name of it is but it's just like a big imagine like a big uh, rectangular like prism okay and it got ice in there it got water in there uh-huh. and then it's like a like a almost like a clothesline that goes on top of it. Okay. And there's like these different hoses that oh, come out and you, and you squeeze, squeeze them. To, yeah, and okay. the water come out of it. Think like, of Waterboy. Right. When he was working for the big university. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But some, one time somebody put gate like the Gatorade in there. Wow. Y'all was, in was fire. Straight bliss. <laughs> I remember uh, we had one thing that it was uh it was almost the same thing you're talking about mm-hmm. except it just had it was like irrigation pipe mm-hmm. but it had holes in it and the water was shooting out oh okay. oh yes was it pvc pipes yeah you tasted plastic oh no that's nasty yeah we had that you taste a little bit of grass a little bit of dirt and plastic come on but you know in reflection it beats having to wait because they only had like two two of the things yeah. back in the day or yeah you can only have two of the jugs so it's like mm-hmm. they put them hoes in and you was like you know what i'm gonna be one of eight people drinking this uh rubber yeah. water fire <laughs> i think fire. If, if you drink water out of water hose uh as a kid you you must have immunity to the coronavirus. <laughs> Come on. Aaron Brockovich did not represent you. You survived. <laughs> That's a trip, man. Yeah. You were saying earlier that you wrestled. You wrestled uh, 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 at a pretty high level, you mentioned. Yes, sir. Back in the day. Shit, when I was skinny. <laughs> I used to tell people, you know, like I say, excuse me. I'd be like, I used to be skinny. Like, they'd laugh, but they don't get I'm serious. Yeah. <laughs> I went to college and put on 30, 40 pounds because, you know, you get to have that dining card where you get to eat as much as you uh, want three, four times a day. Oh, yeah. And they Freshman had 15. two. <laughs> bro, I doubled that. <laughs> the Freshman 30. <laughs> I promise you, bro. That sounded like a documentary where black people were oppressed or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 30 black men accused of something. Oh, man. Shit, I lived in between two dining commons. It was the worst decision ever. You what said I, what? I lived in between two dining commons. Oh. Oh. So, like, Them my choices of food was, mm-hmm. like, impeccable. So, 
And then, like, I really got introduced to weed in college. Like, I heard about it, you know, got a couple of times at the end of high school. Yeah. But that was it. And then I hit college, and it was just like, oh, this stuff is nice, but I get hungry. Yes, mm. Yeah. I remember I had the little car, too, and I would just... Because you could spit what, what, how our cars are set up. Um, they have all the fast food joints inside of the, uh, inside like the food court. So Ooh. you have a, you have a portion where you can, you could get basically the all you can eat. That's primarily for like freshmen and uh, sophomores that still live in the dorms. And then there was another like food court where basically you could spend your dining dollars on, you know, Taco Bell, Chick fil A, you know, and then they have like whatever, uh, local restaurant that you know pay rent to to stay in there what school you went to i went to new mexico state okay yeah but it it was it was it was plush you go in there you could really get if you eat three of those meals a day it's over i went to uc santa barbara oh okay and the worst part was after you eat you go out into that water like because it's right behind there and you sit your ass down (laughs) you could fall asleep and you put on five pounds in one eating and just fall asleep (laughs) i use oh santa barbara so you was right off highway 101 yes yeah it's really it's really nice out there man oh my gosh i heard some stuff about santa barbara they got like uh world famous halloween parties and what facts Motherfucking facts. But the worst part is, is like they recruit all the police in California to come there for Halloween. Yeah. And so, like, the rule is, and whenever you're in IV, Isla Vista, if you sit down, you're considered too drunk. You're a drunk in public. Mm-hmm. And that's they hustle. What? Like, the judicial system is the most richest system in, in America. Yeah. And so, in their situation, <clears throat> as soon as you sit down, they're taking you straight to jail saying that you're too drunk. Facts. Oh my that's god. Terrible, so they just mob around, mob around, and that's what they do. You actually go through walkthrough checkpoints. Like I thought my first walkthrough <sighs> checkpoint was in San Diego. And you know, they still got the finest, uh, America's finest is what it says on the car. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not fucking with them. Mm-hmm. And then like they start doing that shit in Santa Barbara like that next year, and I was fucked up. Like I'm walking through a checkpoint with a bottle in my hand. I hope no one sees me. Dang. And yeah, bro, it was wild. You like you literally get stopped walking. It's a walking checkpoint. Yeah, you literally got to walk through the checkpoint to make sure you're sober enough to keep on continuing. Oh my god! And I went through a checkpoint last night, but it was just this is the drive one. He's like, "Have you been drinking?" I'm like, "No," and he was like, had this look on his face, and he's like, "All right, you're free to go." I'm like, "Just give me my fucking ID, you dick, man! You all drunk driving judge ass motherfucker." And they kind of look at you like they trying to get they trying to look to see the drunk in your eyes. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I'd be more scared of just talking to that ass. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck whatever I got going on. I could be sober as shit. Y'all ruining my everything right now. Yeah, yeah pour something out of you. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it poured. It, it's a, a, a judgment game. Speaking mm-hmm. of a, a judgment game, um, earlier we had a little conversation about this. I'm not sure how many people are privy to this, but uh, recently, Bronny James, um, LeBron James' son, who is 15, don't think he's 16 yet, I don't think. No, he a hooper, though. Yeah, he a hooper, though. Mm -hmm. Um, He uploaded this live on Instagram of him smoking a blunt. Oh. And he was said something about, like, yeah, the the nugget pack or whatever, talking about the Denver Nuggets. Smoking on the nugget pack. Smoking on the nugget pack or whatever. (laughs) And he was just (sighs) blowing, blowing trees. And... It was people just chastising this kid. I think, first of all, like being LeBron James' son is probably the closest thing to being the child of like the president. Facts. Because, you know, you, you live in this world that's very, you can't be a normal kid. 
Mm-hmm. You can't be normal. If you look at all the, the you know, the, the most of the presidents recently were, you know, George Bush's daughters was at a party drinking. That was all over the place. And then Barack Obama's daughter, she was smoking weed and shit. Getting Coachella. high. Yeah. You're getting high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the thing about it is, is they get tired of fucking having to live in this bubble, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and they start acting out. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is, I mean, shit, what if he's allowed to smoke weed? Who knows? It's still illegal, though. It's still illegal, 100%. But I just Hold on, hold on. Illegal is only if you get caught. But if you tell on yourself, then... I don't don't, don't consider it a big deal just because, you know, I mean, for Christ's sake, people smoke cigarettes, man. Yeah. That's worse. Yeah, of course. Cigarettes is... I mean, if we're being real, eating fast food is more dangerous than weed. Whew. Yeah. Come on, carcinogens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, eating a Big Mac is going to do you more harm than a blunt. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're both going to put you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> a blunt Mac. Get the itis. <laughs> yeah. I had a, well, the last time I had a Big Mac, it's been a little bit, but. Um, I mean, if being a parent myself, bro, if my son is smoking, but then again, I can't be no LeBron. I, you know, I, I've always felt LeBron was like a made up person, like create your own player by ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> like when he was coming out of high school and you see him just dunking on people and then just going crazy, it's like, holy shit, like where the fuck did he come from? Right. Yeah. He came into the NBA like he did harder than Kobe did coming into the NBA his first year. Mm-hmm. Jermaine O'Neal, KG. I mean, we go down the list of everyone from high school straight in. He survived way better than everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Moses Malone. That's way back. Tracy though. McGrady. Tracy McGrady. Dwight Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. That's not an easy transition, man. Mm-mm. You play with grown men out of being out of being a kid. Now, he didn't have that ability of being in Los Angeles where they got the best weed in the entire world. <laughs> <laughs> we talking about That's LeBron right. growing up and going to what was it Oak Hill? Mm-hmm. Is where he played basketball. St. Vincent. St. Vincent. Oh, Vincent. Oh, okay. Oak Hill is uh Mel- Carmelo. Carmelo. Okay, yeah. yeah. You know, but he still went to the number one university. Like, I remember being in high school and hearing about him playing at the Staples Center in 03. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Like, that was a big like, thing. Like, everyone was trying to get to the Staples Trevor Center. Trevor Ariza, I think. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, high school had Trevor went to Westchester. Uh, yeah. 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 He from L.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. UCLA, too. Yeah. yeah. Man, people, like, people be forgetting about Trevor Ariza, bro. He was a huge part of that title that we won. Kobe. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. no, you can't bring up Trevor Reese without bringing up the work that Kobe did from after they got him into that next season. 100%. That shot Trevor Reese had, he actually had a three point shot now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a big Laker fan. I can talk about sports. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's three of us on here. Don't we? we all Laker fans. Facts. Oh, absolutely. And it's a good time right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we about to get that title, man. We yeah. about to sweep the Nuggets, too. Man, we're going to be doing more than Just smoking right nuggets now. like Brian Brian. <laughs> 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 yeah, but, I think, uh, uh-huh. but I, as far as me, I don't have no kids, so a lot of these situations, I'd be, you know, looking at it and be like, dang, I don't know how. I genuinely don't know how how I would react. I will say though that um, you can't control what a kid do. And you know, I know people they was smoking blunts at twelve years old. You know, junior high they was coming to school high. They was smoking cigarettes after they left. So nice. in that aspect, you can't control it. Um, I'd just, rather my son smoke with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. What if that's what's going on? But he was on the Brian James is in a bubble. I know. Well, I'm just saying. But what if? What Ooh, if? I got what he just said. Uh, <laughs> who else is at home? And we ain't talking about the uh, the lady that cleans and cooks. 
I don't know. <laughs> a little white girl and a little white girl. <laughs> hey, what was what was that girl that she made a song about Bronny? I don't know how old she was. I don't she, know either. She was making she made some song about Bronny James and was like how she was in love with him. I was like, is this girl like over the age? Yeah, I think smart. she was older. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah, yeah. I, I just think at times as adults, I think we are a little bit unrealistic. You know, you could think back to like uh, you know teachers when you were in school and the way they dealt with a lot of teenagers like and it's like bro you were a teenager at some point mm-hmm. you can't treat them like they're adults i'm not saying that you shouldn't hold them accountable like but mm-hmm. be realistic man mm-hmm. like you the same person the same a teacher the adult teacher that's chastising you for certain stuff they were smoking weed they probably was doing coke come on to deal with my talking shit ass <sighs> They was probably doing alcohol. They was drinking, smoking, <laughs> probably drinking. snorting to deal with me. Bro, I was a havoc in sixth, seventh, eighth grade. <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. That's you know, many a teachers that you know. Rest in peace to my grandma. She was coming to school drunk every day. She really in the IMC. Oh, there's some people that are functional alcoholics though. Mm-hmm. That they'll be drunk, but it's like when you you're so used to seeing them that way that you don't put you know put it together mm-hmm. like okay this person's been drinking yeah but yeah we had a teacher i ain't gonna say no names put him out there but he was drinking beer straight up in the morning in a it's mug true, yeah. it wasn't coffee in there that that's for sure <laughs> coffee don't that's got true. suds in it i be think i be wondering what do the other teachers think like we all know the teacher that's drinking on campus we all know those teachers do to be honest a lot of teachers they got shit going on they're, they're, they got they're doing drugs they're fucking each other they're doing all kinds of shit mm-hmm. you know what i can't speak on teachers but i could speak on shout out to all the security guards that let everyone smoke weed and then only took the weed from them and then let them go back to class <laughs> 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 i for sure ain't saying no names but y'all is out there so oh, look yeah. I remember back funny. in the, it'd be some it'd be some that would uh they would bust people back in the day they had that flipping flipping dollars oh mm, yeah oh, yeah. yeah and uh they'd be like hey odds you are even mm-hmm. yeah yeah and my thing is I never flipped dollars but I knew this this skinny dude named Tyrone and mm-hmm. he was real good at getting people and I'd give him like five bucks and then he'd be flipping he'd be flipping and then he'd give me the five bucks like all right man here man. Like he just did it on the strength, and yeah, I was like, like, "Nah, keep, like keep this." So I'll be just funneling the money, giving it back to him, and I would mm-hmm. become way more. He was doing something, doing something sketchy, mm. but yeah, he was perfectly folding the bill. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> aerodynamic bills. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but make a long story short, man. Uh, it, it just, I just think we shouldn't uh, look at a fifteen-year-old and judge the judge LeBron and. Talk about his parenting. Yeah, this is this is completely outside of yeah LeBron. I I, I will say though that I think uh it's uh it's one of those things like you said you know it's tough to be the kid of the most famous basketball player in the world right um and I, you can tell his decisions are childish like right. you know even if he was smoking weed if you just did it without the camera on right like, you know you could you would be fine you know right. what i mean wouldn't nobody nobody would have a conversation about it um but come on we talking about the same kid that's literally allowed to hang out with wiz khalifa or, yeah. or snoop dogg mm. on any given day just because he wants to pull up on his pops like yeah facts. it's just an unrealistic lifestyle and yeah. i feel like you you grow up so much faster you know, being around those. So yeah. he's 15, but he's mentally 15 for sure. But in reality, he probably, you know, 19, 20. He's seeing, just he's seeing shit that other people ain't seeing. Yeah. That's Come true. 
you can't take you can't take Joe Blow that's 15 years old and compare him to that because mm-hmm. it's just two different lifestyles. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Bronny is already driving fucking Maseratis and shit all yeah. over the place. He probably having threesomes and all kind of yeah. crazy stuff. He that doing shit some people wish they were. In yeah, place. right. <laughs> right. But that's where the hate comes in, bro. Like, Facts. at the end of the day, bro, it ain't no one business what he does as a parent. Like, it's one thing if he gets arrested, he gets charged for child neglect or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, when it gets to that point, then someone should say something. But right now, like, let them do what they do. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's a reflection of what are they doing? That kid is successful. Mm-hmm. He is hooping. He's doing his thing. Do we hear anything about anything negative about grades? No. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Like, you know, the reflection, like, why are everyone want to jump on someone's neck about something they have no control of? They just want to talk and hear themselves breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think we most just people in the general, they like to insert themselves when it's just not necessary. Yeah. And they ain't smoke no weed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Look, I was a lot of there's a lot of people that probably should smoke weed. Mm hmm. You probably should, man. I will say that I've seen some of the comments and a lot of people had the same like idea that we had. Like, yo, this, you know. Who, like let this kid live it's just we type of type of vibes instead of uh there but there were some people that was like chastising him but for the most part i seen people like yo like this is a kid you know all he doing is smoking weed he ain't hurt nobody he ain't doing nothing to nobody so. yeah all right uh, weed ain't never hurt nobody <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it actually helps some people some smoking people on a nugget pack that's yeah, funny yeah some people some people need it man because mm-hmm. That's how they cope with a lot of shit. Yeah. All right. Come on. Switch I smoke to cope, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Switching gears. Um, Dr. Dre's wife. Uh, recently, you know, they've had a falling out publicly in regards to the whole divorce and, you know, uh, whatever situation they have financially. But uh, she's Do- expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two million a month. Come on. God, That's dang. insane, man. She Your pussy better book. be gold if I'm giving you two. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she <is> diamond <laughs> filtered in it. Oh man! Uh, but Dr. Dre's estranged wife Nicole Young sues him for co-ownership of the Dr. Dre name. Whoa! And it basically says back in 2018, Dr. Dre lost tra- a trademark dispute when he tried to stop a gynecologist from using the name Dr. Dre, but it's spelled D R I D R A I, claiming that he was. Trying to trade on the goodwill of the Dr. Dre brand uh, for his own benefit. Dr. Dre, the doctor, um, countered by saying that any association with the rapper could actually hurt him, given the allegation about Dr. Dre's treatment of women. And the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office eventually sided with the doctor and dismissed Dre's suit. Now, Dr. Dre is facing a new lawsuit that claims he doesn't even own that name. Whew. All right. And it says basically, this comes from page, well, so it's page name six. is Andre Young. Yeah, right. Um, which says, Dre's estranged wife, Nicole Young, has filed a lawsuit against him that claims she co owns both the trademark on Dr. Dre's name and his album, The Chronic. Whew. Dr. Dre, or uh, Dre and Young, were married for over two decades, but as the suit puts in, um, he forced her out of the family home on or about April 2nd, 2020. At that point, again, according to the suit, Dre moved mm-hmm. on secretly. Dre moved to secretly create an asset holding company to control his valuable trademarks that only would control despite the fact that Dre, Dre and Young are presumed to control these trademarks jointly due to how the law works in California. Let me be clear when I say this. This proves my point that I said again. One of the most important investments you will ever make in this life is the woman you choose. Because as you can see, 
the amount of bitterness is just out the fucking it's out the wazoo man why do you think you own me this is proven who she really is if, if you were unhappy hold on one second if you were really unhappy and you choose to leave i respect that but the fact that you're coming after my finances did you ever really love me did you love what i could do for you or did you actually love me I, my answer to that is that um, they were married for two decades. Mm -hmm. So, and we all know that over the course of two decades, 20 years, you can completely change and the dynamics of your relationship change. Yes. So I, I don't know if Dr. Dre can, in hindsight, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. I don't know if he could have known, well, you know, whatever red flags that may have been going on or maybe she was a you know perfectly supportive and and everything but in 20 years into their marriage she becomes a spiteful person mm. so i don't know like it, it would be different if this happened in 30 days and be like yo you should you know true dr dre you should have seen this but this is like two decades and she's invested so much time so i can't really say that you know he made the wrong decision i think people just People change over the course of yeah. two decades. Yep. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. I was gonna say you guys know the magic number, right? It's fifty percent. You know, she wasn't getting fifty percent of his half. I mean, from his billion dollar worth. Mm -hmm. So she's gonna get to what she can get fifty percent of, mm -hmm. and so she could prove that she was a part with him during these transformations. Mm. Yeah. And you know that's what the court is gonna look at, unfortunately. And then it's gonna be like, well, at the end of the day, Dr. Dre got more money, so his attorneys may be better they probably paid the, the judge more money mm. yeah That's hey, he, may, he, he may pay more to the lawyers to the judge to everybody in spite or you know to spite his his his, his ex-wife i've heard stories about dr dre even with uh with what you call it dads and corrupt yeah and originally you know they were supposed to they weren't supposed to be on the song uh uh california paradise mm -hmm. And so when they did that song, their verses got on the song and they didn't know it until the album came out mm -hmm. and they never got royalty. They didn't oh. get their name on the paperwork. So they took Dre to court. Oh, and I'm hearing this interview on Sirius Radio. And so as they're talking about this stuff going to court with Dre, Dre wasn't talking to him for two years and they kept on rescheduling the court, oh. rescheduling the court. And by the end of the two years, Dre turned around and looked at Daz and Corrupt and was like, what are we fighting for? He was like, you want your money? I'll give you your money. And I'll give you a job at Aftermath. And he put all that money into all the court fees just to have that shit agreed to and move forward. That's the type of person Dre is. Wow. So, I mean, moving forward, if we know those are the dynamics of how he handles his business and going forward with she's getting into his business because she claims she owns 50% of trademark. So she has a royalty of 50% and she's probably been getting it. Oh my and and she was like, I deserve this money, and it's two million dollars, and this is why I deserve it. Mm -hmm. She's gonna hit him with the facts of where the money's really gonna come from. Man, yeah, that's, I, that's tough. The way you I, broke it down. Man. I think uh, I look at um, situations like the dream and how he <sighs> gave uh, Christina Miller. She she's sitting in a room when <sighs> he writing baby and all these other songs, and he just you know giving her royalties. And well, I don't know the dynamics of their breakup, but. I'm just saying you could see how sometimes and Dr. Dre is obviously the top producer in hip hop history or whatever. I can see how it's just like, oh, my wife is here. Like, let me kick her in on, you know, let me get her a little writing credit. Let me do do this and do that just mm. to just to bring her along. <clears throat> and then, you know, 
the relationship sours and he like, yo, I in reality, I did all this on paper. On paper, it may seem like you own Dr. Dre. But in reality, like this is me. I'm Andre mm-hmm. Young. I'm the one tapping it up on the NPC. Damn. But yeah, that's crazy. I'll tell you what. Um, I think that what happens, too, is we say like we don't know when it went sour, this and that. A lot of women don't admit this, but they're attracted to status. So mm. when you when you get with Dr. Dre, which was I think they got married in '96 or something like that, mm-hmm. um, he was still fucking Dr. Dre from he NWA. Been Dr. Dre, he been Dr. Dre a long time, okay. Yeah. So you knew who you were getting with. He had status. That status grown exponentially. Yeah. But you can approach a man like as from a woman's standpoint, you can approach a man, and it could legitimately be a business decision. Let's not act like this shit hasn't happened before. Come on, we're going through it right now. Cardi B and Offset. Yeah, well, I don't know what's, what's the I don't know the dynamic. They just divorced, but yeah. everyone always felt it was a business decision to have them run together. Hmm. Who knows? And, and then look at what happened managed. to Cardi B. Uh huh. Well, no, they're not managed. That oh. was never signed paperwork with quality control. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. KSR Group is the people that manage her. That's mm-hmm. who she first signed with, and they mm-hmm. did all the first paperwork. Like yeah. it's crazy because. You look at WAP and they're not in her life day to day, but they got credit. Wow. wow. They got royalties. But my whole point is that, you know, we live in this world where they put these people together and align them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's more real with these uh, these movie stars. You see a lot of them like they break up with Ben Affleck and get with Matt Damon and then they break (laughs) up with Matt Damon. And now it's, it's weird. Who's bigger than actors right now? I have no idea. Rappers or rappers? Rappers are bigger than rock stars. Mm-hmm. Then in that standpoint, if you really look at what, for example, I talk shit about this guy six nine, but look at what he's capable of doing. Look at mm-hmm. the amount of, of masses of people he has to drawn into what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is doing that. They're getting more views on YouTube than they are getting in the Super Bowl. Oh God, damn! If you really start processing what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's that's why YouTube is demanding so much money for advertisement. That's why they're mm-hmm. paying out so well. He got ridiculous numbers in like a 24 hour uh, uh, Takashi. What do you what do you guys think is like the the business benefit of like that popping celebrity couple? Um, like what could what could a Cardi B and Offset gain from being like that? The relevance of Migos growing when they had a point Facts. where they were starting to drop off. And then mm-hmm. the second thing is Cardi B just took off from her reality TV show to drop in Kodak or Bodak Yellow. Yeah. And when she did that, that really set the fire. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as we both know, Cardi B won Grammys. Mm-hmm. She's won MTV Awards. She's went on to do a whole bunch. I was at the BET Awards and she opened up with Offset doing their song together, the Clout song. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the whole thing is that their image catapulted both their careers it yeah. catapulted migos because they came back again and again and again they're like you know Man, i love the migos five number one yeah, and the motorsport yeah. and all of that uh, yeah it was going crazy and they're just like a roach that won't die they keep on <laughs> <laughs> hit after hit after hit these motherfuckers won't die and yeah. but that's you know to attest to social media yeah because they align themselves look at quavo quavo's with saweetie yeah i barely know who that is Sweetie's dope. She popping out here. Yeah. What what song is she? Right um, now she got the she got the two chain whistle remake or the whistle song uh, tap in. 
Oh, oh, okay. She got Jack Harlow. Okay, I know exactly who she is now. Yeah. Tap in. Tap, tap. It's the yeah. same song these girls keep putting on their stories all the time. Yeah. I honestly <laughs> feel like Saweetie is like just her vocal performances on songs is just not that great to me. Right. But she, she looked good, though. Her energy is insane. Yeah. Like, you're not expecting this little light-skinned girl that's about 110 pounds to yeah. have all this energy mm. of someone like 200-pound middle linebacker. That's crazy, yeah. And her energy is that. She's from Oakland. Like, you know, if you don't know anyone from Oakland, they are loud and they got energy. They finna make sure that everyone feels them. Mm-hmm. And she embodies that. Yeah. And everyone, like, you know, it was so icy. Like, her thing was everyone be an icy girl. Yeah. She Yeah, she has, she has a way of, like just uh creating like a a movement around yeah. her songs yeah mm-hmm. she took a gucci main idea and turned it into icy like mm-hmm. she turned that and then look what she did she took a too short idea and turns it into tap in yeah yeah it's certain artists that are able to get away with it and they do it more i think nobody does that more than drake mm-hmm. drake always got some new dance or mm-hmm. some new like anthem it's a movement around yeah and then and then what it is is like especially it sprung off that tiktok shit what's that what song you said i'm gonna show you how i do it when the right foot up slide. and then you start seeing people on tiktok doing it and then people it's just like and he does this multiple times that was a that was just a quarantine throwaway yeah 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 but something drake does is he gives love to people like like through other ways, like because of Tusi Slide, I got to find out who Tusi was. Was an artist, and he's this dope rapper. And, wow! And he has look up the song Inside Out. Look up, uh, oh my gosh, there's another his song, but he just dropped. But the whole point is that he allows light to get there. He's been a part of that. Look at uh, Little Baby. Yes, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. He's he, done this. He continues it. You go back to the people in Toronto and putting people on. Like, true. The weekend. I would say I won't say the weekend was one of them, but they did collaborate for a while. I mean, he did a lot of Take Care album. The oh, weekend yeah. songs was all over that. Yeah. Um, you look at uh, the Take Care album. Uh, well, kids, not that Kendrick needed him already because Kendrick had backing, but. He was on that album too. I forgot. Yeah, that's early Kendrick. That's though. early, like early Kendrick. The super early Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still slap that song. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What do you? Uh, the so there's been a lot of talk in the in the news and you know Kanye West tweets and stuff like that. What do you have a take on a lot of these uh, you know new findings as far as like record contracts and. Um, master people not owning their masters, people like Taylor Swift, Kanye, and all these. We're living in a world now where artists are getting deals where they're owning their own masters. Mm-hmm. And we're also living in a world where they're not writing their own music and it's okay. Mm-hmm. There's so many ghostwriters and songwriters that are doing everybody's projects, and all we're getting is just a face and a voice. Yeah. But they're owning the masters, and that goes all the way back to paperwork. Yeah. And the paperwork has evolved from the 90s to the 2000s to now. And, you know, one thing I give Kanye credit for is that when he wants to shine a light to something, he's going to put the spotlight on it yeah. and use his platform. And so, you know, by him putting out his contracts, that gives so many people game and power because he was over there pretty much negotiating some of his biggest contracts. Yeah. He had a guy named Johnny Monopoly do a lot of stuff for him. And, you know, that that evolved where he had to evolve. He lost a whole bunch of money in Italy. And so, you know, he had to start doing things differently. So I respect what he does. But in the same, you know, recognizance of thinking about things, 
They're going in words. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to let him live, man. Let him live, bro. Oh, I know what that means. I learned that word from jail. When you get OR, it's released on your own recognizance. And, you know, that kicks into, like, what he's thinking about and, and what he's being responsible for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it kicks into what he's doing, he does shine light and he pushes the movement to, to understand things. Because mm-hmm. we're not thinking in that way. We're mm-hmm. just seeing people win. And, yeah, you got to pay to play. You got to, you know, what's the old saying that, you know, you got to, what's the hell is that saying? Well, you got to pay me in order for me to tell you something or whatever. Yeah, paying for information or Yeah, it's a saying, but shit. Mm-hmm. I, you know, people listening, they know the damn saying and I forgot it. But needless mm-hmm. to say, mm-hmm. that core thing is taken away from managers consultants from agents that have that game of hey you know this is how we negotiate and then it gives people like richard sherman that negotiates his own contract to really level up on seeing wording oh i seen how this wording went and i seen what he got mm-hmm. he took the words out of my mouth right and now. and pretty much use that and apply it where he can yeah and that's exactly what kanye did for people but you know kanye also puts out a whole bunch of crazy bullshit too <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love Kanye. Like, that's one of my top five. Yeah. I love him more, you know, when he was, you know, in the beginning ages and he was a college dropout and he accepted it. But you could relate, huh? Come on. (laughs) Likewise, man. Well, hold on. No, you got a certificate when you passed the truck driving school. (laughs) (laughs) I got something. Yeah, I ain't got shit. I just signed paperwork. (laughs) He got memories. That's crazy. English 101. And and I agree with, especially with Kanye's recent music. I just, I I can't fuck with hardly none of it. His last good project to me was uh, Life of Pablo. That to me, I felt was his last. After that, it was just some... Some I don't know. It was just been mental mental illness ever since, man. <laughs> uh, Shit, that one bar he said where you know your titties prove I could focus on two things at once. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, man, that's on the life of Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> he said some cold, cold. He, he, Shit. he said something about Amber Rose. He said uh, she said I got the best years of a life or something. What did he say? You remember? I don't remember exactly. Oh man, he's talking about bringing her out of the strip club and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. He do be he got some, he got some wild quotables that's for sure. Yeah, he got one. I miss the old Kanye. Something with the soul Straight Kanye. From the soul Kanye. <laughs> Kanye man. Chop up the soul Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. He um yeah, he definitely suffers from some form of mental illness. Um and he talks about his medication now. He's like uh he was off his Lexapro, which is a, like, you know, people use it for mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um but Come on, you, not any one of us will, you know, I don't know. I'm going to say this, then fuck it. Mm-hmm. I would pay to be Kanye, to be the motherfucker to hang out with Donald Trump and see some damn old scientific astronomical <laughs> shit and say you could disappear in fucking three seconds. That type of shit. Kanye is privileged to do that because of how he positions himself in relationships. Yeah. Just, even the names, like you see some of the names he'll throw out and like he was throwing out Elon Musk's name before I even knew who that was. Right. Come on, come yeah. On, come on. So. Yeah. That Sway interview. He's like, <clears throat> you know, I'm, you know, the Medici brothers and all that. I'm like, who the fuck are these yeah, people? This is Medici brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. he deserves to be a billionaire. I put it to you like that, to, to lose <laughs> it all and to get it back and understand that I could lose it again and get it back <clears throat> again. But this process of living and enjoying it. Facts. That's what he, you know, he lived off of. And that's something I really, really respect because at the end of the day, he don't give a fuck what no one says about him because he still got to his dream. That's real. I think, though, uh, what do you think is like, you know, coming from a a background of music yourself? 
like what is the the inconsistency in albums like that like what is what do you think that stems from you could drop a my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and then there's a drop off the life of pablo and then it's like easy well for example specifically kanye that's the different people in his circle that he allowed to be a part of the projects yeah hmm. if you look at specifically he had uh whatchamacallit uh why am i forgetting bread name from seeing kids see ghosts uh Oh, that's, uh, most, that's one of the most Oh, Kid Cudi? Kid Cudi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kid Cudi is an intricate part of a lot of his music creativity. And then Rhymefest is another one that's a big part of it. And if you look at certain projects, you'll see where certain people weren't fully involved in those. Mm-hmm. And he was working out with other people. True. Like, I've known people where Sci High the Prince has reached out to them trying to recruit them to go to Wyoming. Uh, Sci High is an uh, integral part of a lot of those. Yeah. Good camp musics. Yes, yeah. but specifically Kanye, that's like his go to person. Like Kid Cudi was that person for a long time and then they had Fallout, Fallout, Fallout. Yeah. And then, you know, the rebound situation it allows someone else to be more loyal and royal in the situation. Mm-hmm. And Side High is definitely viewed because he's you know, he's done so much and he's he's hella humble. Yeah. Like he said, I'll leave all this shit alone and go back to selling dope with, with my family. Like none of this <laughs> shit matters. He he like the people in the industry know too, like how crazy his pen is. But oh. even, but even when he drops solo projects, like he's still one of the top rappers, like just yeah. bar for bar, one of the top. It's a rappers. trip. You could hear the influence. I, me and Keith were talking about it. Like you could hear, um, like uh, like a Travis Scott song, mm-hmm. and you'd be like, "Yo, somebody wrote that." Yeah, my brother and I get into this argument all the time because he's a rapper, and he doesn't <coughs> like. You know, he comes from that era. If we grow up in the nineties, ask you this. I'm glad you, you grow up in that. the nineties. Mm-hmm. You know, we all write our own music because it's mm-hmm. the nineties. If you right. get caught that you got a ghostwriter, you got problems. You ain't a real <laughs> MC. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then now we're living in an era that everything's public information. Who's a part of these records? Like mm, you right. had to buy the record, flip it open <clears throat> to see who was listed on the credits. Yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes people weren't even they were paid to sign a non disclosure to not even be on the credits. Oh, yeah, God. and there's thousands of people that are not on that list of getting their credits, mm-hmm. but they're paid. There's oh, a big my difference. Goodness. And so when you have that, my brother doesn't understand because he grew up in that era that there's so many people that are getting paid to write this shit. There's so many people running out of things to talk about. I've mm-hmm. got calls where like Quando Rondo doesn't have things to talk about. So he needs hooks and he needs whole demos. So you need to send them in. You got people like YFN Lucci running out of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, he got something to talk about now. He's shooting up video since. What? What happened? What? <laughs> he let a gun off. They're shooting a music video and he. Oh, I seen yeah. that. Yeah, he, he shot him have a prop gun. Yeah, that's stupid. <sighs> Yeah, you know what's sad too is is what I'm noticing is, is people got they run in bad circles. I think that like the company you keep could ultimately be your demise. You know, mm-hmm. rest in peace to Juice World. You know, Whew. you know he put a bunch of pills in his mouth and swallowed them and OD'd, man. But yeah. hold on, it's it's before that. It's it's before that. It's the what is it? The 200 pounds of weed he had, or 80 pounds of weed he had carrying with him that he's been doing, that he got, not him getting caught, someone from his camp got caught in a separate car leaving three months before that. That's what started the whole debacle of Juice World. Like, I love that kid. I was upset. I missed him at Camp Flognog. Oh, man. (laughs) But when I heard about it, like, right before that, when he did Armed and Dangerous, he got at a whole bunch of the Chicago gangsters like oh. you can't get at the gds and the dp Mm-mm. like you can't you can't mm-hmm. and so he did in the song if you listen to arm and dangerous he did 
And all he did was work his way where he's going to have to owe somebody something. And then he was moving packs and packs to to Chicago. Oh, my goodness. He's just a kid, too. But he, I mean, he was very talented. He blew up overnight. He didn't know what to do. Yeah. He made one song and then people started flying him out. I followed his career as soon as it started. Because when I heard of, I had a friend that was close to uh, Rojas on the beat. Rojas on the beat did look at me for uh, XXX. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I'm watching XXX career blow up and I'm watching and watching and I hear Juice Word. I'm like, that's that same emo sound, but it's different. Different. Yeah. And, but he's in that same lane. Yeah, yes. So once X, you know, passed away, I really focused in on what happened to Juice World and his career skyrocketed. Yeah. And he didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And you know what's sad about these guys is when you listen to the music, it's almost like they like they talk about death a lot. Come on. Yeah. I, I start what I start doing is, you know, it goes back to me being on that fucking truck, but I would like text Keith, like, man, it sounds like some of these guys wrote their own death certificates. Like listening to Mac Miller, I heard him saying some, especially on his, his newest releases. Mac Miller, it sounded like it was like a goodbye letter almost. And then, um, you know, Juice World and look um, at Nipsey and all the stuff. Yeah, him and his mother was going through prior to him passing away. Like it's crazy, it goes real deep because <laughs> you know sometimes. I've been told that if, you know, you watch the things you eat, you could pay more attention to your intuition, to your gut feeling. Mm. And if your gut is telling you all these different things, you know, you sort of got to respond to it. You may not know when your day is going to come. But mm-hmm. if you start feeling this intuition that, hey, my life may be over, I'm going to talk about it. Mm. And then you have a, some sort of a list. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it goes deep. And a lot of people that are into their t- intuition, they have some of the biggest things happen to them. And then they also have some of the biggest things that take their life. Yeah. Tupac. Yeah. He was listening to Tupac. He'd be like, man, mm-hmm. you know, he, has, he said something like, I have visions of people killing me in my sleep or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. damn, Pac. That's wild. I think I want to get back to that, that, that cold ghostwriting thing. Oh, yeah. So um, it went off. As far as that, do you think. <laughs> What what I've realized, and I you know I make music myself, so like I'm I'm so curious about the industry. Um, but do you think it's because everything is so fast paced? So as far as like getting a ghostwriter, it's like instead of a guy like Drake just waiting a month, two months for inspiration to hit him, he like yo, I need to go find inspiration because I have to stay in front of people. It's like when you create. When you create such a following and so much that take a liking to what you're doing, so many mm-hmm. people want to be a part of it. So you get submitted demos that are sometimes are undeniable. When it came down to the moment, like I was talking about earlier with my brother, I lost track because we get into some good ass sidebar conversations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it hurt his feelings to learn that Pusha T doesn't write all his own music. P doesn't realize the game works like this. If good music gets in this demo and this person's on this hook that done stuff for Beyonce and Jay-Z and, you know, no one knows that they're a part of this shit, but Kanye knows because he's there for woo-woo-woo. And that paperwork kicks in and you got that record. It's like, I'm not going to not do this record because I'm doing it. They're they're telling me to do Mm -hmm. it. And so now they do the record and you're looking at the paperwork. It's like Pusha T had a songwriter. How the hell his name not the only name on the paperwork? And it's like Pusha T say he don't he only writes his own music. And mm. then he gets at Drake about not writing his own music. And he's wow. and Meek Mill, you know, Meek Mill initially put him on blast. Oh. And so, you know, yeah. all of it gets out. And then people start to have to really start reflecting on what the music business is. Mm. Things are presented 90% of the day. Like I'm yeah. that's something I do as an AR. I send stuff off to all the labels. 
And you'll get back, hey, you need to have this in here. You need to have all hooks or you need to give me something with it's a full demo. You give me two verses and you give me three hooks. And then from there, they'll pick and choose what they want. The songwriter gets paid. The producer gets paid. They all get their upfront money, uh, their advancement. And then, you know, after the production agreement is signed, you know, we're moving. That's crazy. You see that, too. Like the the thing about it, though, you know, what I've realized, it, it's to me, it's just all pride, because in reality, um, music is just like it's just like a like steps. You know what I mean? Come so at on. the top, the, the song is finished. But in reality, even if you think about a producer, right. Are you not a producer because you sample something? You sped something up, chopped it up? Fuck no. You're still a producer. Yeah. You're brilliant. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, even those people that claim to have written everything, if you got a if you got a song that already got a hook on it, it already got the beat picked out for you, and you just filling in the blanks, you know what I mean? You're not technically having someone write for you, but that template is already there. You just got to stay in that pocket. Think about reality TV. Producers give these people topics of discussion right. and they talk about it. You know, prior to us coming on, we all had to like, hey, this is how it's going to go. Right. Pre-production. Yeah. Pre-production. They do the same thing for reality TV. It's the same thing that's going on for music. Yeah. Mm. The producer saying, hey, I'm feeling this. I want you to do something like this. I already had this idea. And then that person's like, OK, I'm going to take this and run with it. But because the producer said that he gets his writer's credit now yeah. mm. on top of his 50 percent of the record already because he produced it. DJ Khaled. Mm. DJ Khaled don't even produce or write. <laughs> All he does is, I love DJ Khaled because he put the inspiration that you got to put money into your kids. Mm. You got to put your kids on projects so that they get royalties before they grow up without yeah. having to depend on a trust fund. They got money coming in. Mm. And I respect got crazy. I'm sure she getting crazy royalty checks. <laughs> It's a blessing. And, yeah. you know, I, I love what he does. But all he is is an exclusive DJ A&R. Yeah. I like how this sounds. I got this idea. Let me get Drake. Let me get Justin Bieber and, and Chris Brown. And let me go put Rihanna and, and Bryson mm-hmm. Tiller on the song. Like, you know, he's he has this ability of seeing it, but he also has the power. He's a visual. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if you have the vision, but if you don't have the power to move the pieces, all you are is just a loose vision, your potential. That's for real. What um, could you explain to I kind of have a grasp of it. I feel like there's certain terms in in entertainment, like a lot of people don't know what a producer of a movie does. They just know like such and such produces. Um, could you tell like us what an A&R exactly does and how that and how in terms of like. Tell us what you do and then how in terms of like a, a song structure and royalties and stuff, like how do you get compensated for like the success of a song? OK, so the arrangement of the song is pretty much what an A&R is doing. You can either be with an artist or you can be on the producer side. A majority of people stay on the artist side. So producers are constantly hitting them up. Mm-hmm. I took a different approach because I had relationships with producers, but not so much big artists. But I had relationship with producers that had relationships with big artists. Mm. And so I'm like, OK, how do I utilize this leverage? And, you know, I started to work with them and giving them ideas. Hey, I think this person should go on this. I think this should go to there. And then working, you know, shout out my brother, JP. He allowed me to say some things about Mozzie Records. JP Bangs. JP Bangs. Yeah. Shout and, out to JP Bangs. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I gave him a couple of sounds like they're not much, but it's like, hey, put a bell in here. Do do this effect. He told me wordings to like producers effects. Mm-hmm. And so here and here. And then that started my like beginning to understand what what he was doing and how my role is of putting people on records. 
And then from there, I started to work my way into where Decades presented me with something to work with him. And I started doing pretty much where I did videos for him and he's breaking me down how songs are going and arrangements. And so I'm taking the knowledge, but he's really giving me credit just for doing the video, but he's giving me A&R credit to push me in the direction. Mm. And, you know, I'm being 100 with y'all. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's I was just love, out though. there with the, the whole uh, Free to Lost camp. That week, that same weekend when I was shooting all that stuff. Shout That's, out Marmar also. Shout Marmar, out Marmar, yeah. We man, did that. You'll see. I could show you the skits and stuff that we I've did. I've had Marmar on my show. Oh, okay. He's dope. He's dope. Like, Davo was, was dope too, yeah. Yeah, shout out Davo. Shout out the whole <laughs> Free the Lost camp. They just a bunch of niggas with money that's just living. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I should have said something when you was talking about how come motherfuckers be playing Madden and don't do nothing. I should have known you was talking about <laughs> that studio <laughs> in North Hollywood. <laughs> on Lakershim. Oh man, that's funny, man. That's hilarious. It's all talking to him I'm is, cats, is, is it, talking to him is almost kind of like talking to Nate a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not sure, not sure if you know who Nate is. No, but he's uh, you know Joe Maynard. His his, yeah. his engineer. So it's crazy because I know Joe Maynard is Darius. Yeah, that's go. how we know him. But I've known know. him since he was a little baby. Like yeah. my older sisters. Father of children, mm-hmm. his mom is her is his uncle or his aunt. Oh, okay? okay. And so I grew up like going to Aunt Sheila's house. Yeah, Joe Maynard's mom. Like yeah. she took us to the church. She used to live in you know in the projects on on the yeah. east side. And, like, <laughs> and so yeah. that's where we would go and get dropped off. And we would love hanging out over there. She'd take us to the church on the other side of California. And, yeah, you know it was love. But it's crazy because he grew up and then I moved to college and we really don't know each other like that. <laughs> Ah, uh, crazy. He's a little kid back then. Uh-huh. The, I think I, that's what I don't like about Bakersfield is like y'all, are, you guys are could be so valuable to one another. Like I, I when he you came on Nate Diesel, mm-hmm. I know Nate Diesel. He mixed records from for my brother. Okay, for E Greedy when uh-huh. he was first uh, initially working at Atlantic as an intern. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You talking about the same Nate? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, uh, once I realized who you're talking about, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I know it's now. I was like, I hope you ain't talking about someone else. But yeah, that yeah, ain't yeah. none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, I think when when he came on the first the podcast, the first first time, um, I think I met I mentioned I was like, hey, you work with JP Bangs yet? Like, you know, that's you know, he out here moving. He got records with Mozzie and stuff. But I just feel like that's like as far as Bakersfield, if we had just like congregated created like this cohesiveness and it, it you know i mean you got producers you can work with anybody you want to right but just tap in you know yeah. see if it works out type of vibe leverage those relationships yeah you so, know something i talk about all the time with kev king and we be talking about why we driving because a lot of my show i pull up on my guests like a lot of people see zoom but the other ones i pull up on people and our conversations run deep and something else we talk about is that a lot of people would rather compete with someone versus like help each other out. Facts. Yeah. And they don't realize that if you grow as a unit, we can be more respected. Whether you talk about the Bay Area, we can talk about upstate New York right now, taking over New York. Shout out Griselda. Shout yeah. out to Black Soprano family. Like they really are taking over that whole concept of what stuff's supposed to really go like. 100%. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from the growth of all of that to reflection to what we do in Bakersfield internally, we got to do better. That's real. True. I see. I see. I mean, when I was out there with the Frida Loss camp, I was like, and no disrespect to them, but I was like, these dudes is from Sacramento. It ain't like they from San Francisco. They from Oakland. They they LA. Everybody coming from Sac to North Hollywood so that they don't get smoked. There's some real dangerous shit going on in Sacramento. Yeah. And I respect Mozzie because Mozzie got 
even the little homies that was going to high school out the way just because they got money on their heads. Oh, it's it's a real political conversation that we probably shouldn't be talking about. Hey, <laughs> hey, I, didn't, I didn't get into it. But I'm just saying, I like that, I like that cohesiveness. Cause, yeah, no, he know. a real one. Like, mm-hmm. hospitality is Mozzie's thing. And Davo, like, they brothers. Like, when you look at them, you can look at, like, you know, what would have happened if Suge Knight and, and Dr. Dre would have been brothers like this? Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's the perspective you get from them because they're making powerful moves. They're buying property. It's like seeing Nipsey and Big U again. Like, that's real. like you know, that's what they're doing. And mm-hmm. I respect them 100 percent and everything they do. You know, he just recently got into the Latin market. So, like, you know, Davo money finna quadruple. <laughs> it's, it'd be yeah. funny being around him. It was, that was a point to where he was a. And I ain't trying to, this is not like a serious story, but he was trying to, uh, Marmar and Devo was going to play Madden. And Marmar was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I bet you 100. I bet you like 150. And Devo was like, man, I ain't playing for nothing less than 500. So that just shows you how much money they get. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting told if you're in a studio and you're not up to something to like have value while you're there, they don't want you there the next time. You ain't mm-hmm. coming back in that motherfucker. Yeah. And, you know, it's the irony is that you're thinking that they just chilling and playing games. It's almost like how we were talking about earlier. It's like Mac Miller watching movies in silent. Mm-hmm. They're getting, and you said, you know, I got I got blown out and it's a hit song. <laughs> and, you know, they're taking that, like, man, that yeah. energy of frustration. Sometimes it takes you back to being a kid and playing against your brother that passed away. So you get mm. that energy and you're yeah. talking shit like you're playing with your brother again. And then now you got some real inspiration. Yeah. They say, yeah, I seen... Um, well, two things. I seen Kanye West would be watching like similar stuff. He'd be watching like African documentaries or naked people or, you know, whatever and writing songs or uh, I seen Nip. He was looking at I don't know if it was a magazine open or a picture of a model or something it was, but he was writing a verse while he was, you know, had the visual up there. So, yeah, I think that the creative process is is different, but it's the same. Like, for example, like for comedians, Comedians, a lot of them have to walk around with these little notepads because they get inspiration from something they see and they have to write it down immediately Mm -hmm. so they don't forget, like, the premise of the joke. Right. It was uh, uh, Christina Pazinski. She talked about, like, she would be going crazy because she would get, like, this joke in her head and she said she would be, like, writing on the walls so she could get that joke. And a lot of these artists that go into these studios, they could be playing Madden and just fucking throw the sticks down and be like, you know, put me in the booth. Mm -hmm. That um, Jay Z talked about that. Like the reason he stopped writing lyrics is because, like his life was moving too fast, and he yeah. had an inspiration, and he would run into the the convenience store and write some down on a on a paper bag or something like that. But he was like, I couldn't like, it wasn't feasible for me to do all these things, and I'm out here moving and you know doing different things. So I just had to start memorizing. That's know, just that, that's just crazy to me though. Mm-hmm. You got this guy's got a serious memory. Yeah. That's yeah. ridiculous. Well, playback's a motherfucker when you put it on wax. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, one thing I do take from all of this is that they're exercising their creativity, their vision, their, you know, that's like I was saying earlier. The biggest thing is that we as creatives... We don't realize, you know, how much effect we do have and how much we don't have because we're always our biggest judgment. Our biggest criticism comes from us. And so sometimes, you know, it's a blessing to hear these stories about Jay-Z or when you go into. Very uh, true. Who else doesn't write? (laughs) There's so many people that don't write. It's It's a cat named Ray Vaughn. 
and he signed a TDE, and he's getting ready to be rolled out, but he's had to face, like, because of COVID, they rolled him back twice. And he was going to be the fastest rollout since Kendrick, pretty much. They got a tight camp over there. Bro, they sit on music and shit. I hope no one will shit. Fuck it. Uh, They sit (laughs) on music. And, you know, shout out Zakari. Zakari goes through the whole thing of just waiting and waiting and waiting. I see him working on his album. I think, and I don't, you know, I don't know him personally and I don't want to, you know, this is just my opinion. I seen he started to post some of the stuff he was working on on Twitter. Just, you know, previews of the, you know, song, stuff like Meek Mill would do. But to me, I can almost interpret that as like, I'm just sitting here and I got, I got heat and I want to show my fans. Yeah. Um, the He's music. sitting on hundreds of records. I yeah. bet. Yeah. And, and you know, too. once you sign and you get paid, you're to what they tell you. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. And they have two week lockouts, like every six months to a year, where everyone comes in and works with each other. And like you know, we're only hearing what they allow to come out. And like, yeah. yes, it's smart because it puts more value into what's out. But it sucks being the artist that signed to them that has all this shit that's like it's hella dope. Yeah, and you're just stuck. Yeah, somebody said something that made sense. Uh, I think it was Charlamagne said it. He said uh, 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 Kendrick is one of the only artists that could just literally disappear. He said, like, this dude could just disappear. You don't hear from him from, like, over a year. He was like, where the fuck is this guy yeah. at? No media. There's nothing. He Billboard charted an unknown album with unknown tracks. <laughs> Untitled, unmastered. Come on. Yeah. They didn't even mix the songs. Yeah, that shit crazy, man. What, that's the thing. I love TDE, and I like how they move, but I feel like they're, I feel like, as far as from a fan's perspective, I feel like that approach that they have now it worked when it was like J Rock, Kendrick, Schoolboy, Schoolboy. three or four of them in there, Abso. But now it's like they got too many. I feel like to try to give every single artist you like got the Baby the Keem, you got SZA, yeah. you got. Yeah. I mean, that, Baby Keem. Also, how do you feel about that? I know you know bro, the, that the, orange soda is my shit. <laughs> but the leaks came out with Kendrick. The reference tracks. Did you did you see that? I did not see that. But you know what? That's just a reflection of what they're going through in that camp because they're doing all these records with these people. Yeah. Like, I'm watching them do these records and you're seeing pictures come out and then the pictures disappear because they're just on stories. Yeah. And then you never see the songs. Yeah. And it's like, you know, they got Yaya Lee mixing them. Like, you see all these people that are intricate to everyone and we're just waiting as fans. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel bad for them. I really do. Mm-hmm. But then again, they have the master plan. They know what the fuck they're doing. It works. Man. So it's like, yeah. uh. it works. But I, I could feel breath because, you know, he's freshman XXL. He's only had a couple of songs out along with his project that did mm-hmm. really well. But it was an under radar project. But it got national attention. Yeah. Yeah. And he tried to like, did you see that uh, it came out that they're cousins, him and Kendrick? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I guess somebody found an old tweet from Kendrick's sister. And it was like, I don't know what it said, but some happy birthday or something to my cousin or something like that. Wow. And then the reference tracks came out. And it was only a it was only a thing because the way he had uh said in the interview, like, yo, I got on to um I got I got in with the camp by sending beats into the the label, you know, beat col- email to the or, mm-hmm. or it's a dropbox actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said wow. he got on through that way. And then, um, you know, it was just a big deal because he technically lied about how he, he got on. But, yeah. 
right that shit's so important to people's careers but it's like when you do something like that it's damn ambulance let them go by <laughs> yeah they right down there sheesh yeah they they flood us out every week mm-hmm. damn they, they, they just parked there I'm <laughs> like downstairs. It'd be all good. Oh, man. Yeah, you good. Should I trip out a hall ambulance? They cross street from the methadone clinic. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know that. And <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? What if um, them reducing um, the. Uh, as creative, sometimes it could be a private. It sh- it, I'm not saying it should be, but it could be a private process. Mm-hmm. What if they're reducing the attention so uh, from. While they're creating, so it doesn't mess with someone's creative process. Do you think there's something behind that? As far as TD, yeah, I think. Um, I don't. To to me though, I I don't think those people move differently. Mm-hmm. I just think that they're a business, right? So whenever yeah. Kendrick got some, you know, album on the way, he's going to be more more out in the world like more on radio shows but i i don't think he's just like literally tucked off i just think like he's not like if he don't got nothing to promote then i'm gonna just I'm gonna kick it with my girl i'm gonna kick it mm-hmm. with my family i'm gonna you know chill in the studio. Up to studio when i'm supposed to yeah yeah, yeah. He, we just don't see him yeah i mm-hmm. think he's he's i think he picks the spots too which is pretty smart like you mm-hmm. might find him on big boy or something yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I seen a couple. I, I know that back in the day, well, not too long ago, but Nipsey was real heavy on Big Boy. Yeah, he was on it like three or four times. You also you also see too that like early on in people's careers, they doing they popping up everywhere. Nip, you know? I, Nipsey is probably Nip, yeah the Nipsey one. had million interviews so all across many, radio. Man, I don't even know. And I've, I've I went through a wormhole just after he died, just looking at many interviews. And that's something he did that was genius. He got so many interviews. Man, shout out Steve Lobel. Steve Lobel was the guy that was pretty much starting the radio tour run and showcasing him as a person. Mm. Because they had this gangster look and then he got Nipsey to do the song with Lloyd. And then that broke the commercial circuit. And mm. that's what allowed him to start doing all these radio interviews. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. That's dope. If you, you that's know, crazy. If you guys look back at time. Oh, wow. I think, I think that's dope, too, because... As fans, I think we are more invested in the person than, you know, the yeah. content of their music. So yeah. I think there's there's probably people that are fans of Nipsey's interviews more so than his songs. So. Yeah. He has some powerful interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's very few artists that just release music and then it just disappears. Very few. Yeah. I think Prince was probably one of those people. Yeah. Prince would just come out with some pants with the ass cut out of him. <laughs> but you know what? Something to throw about Nipsey is that Nipsey refused to sign. He only secretly signed with Atlantic Records towards the end of his life. Like yeah. at the end of the day, he's he did he turned down deals from Rick Ross. He turned yeah, down he deals did. from Def Jam. Yes. He turned down deals so that probably too. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that he can control what he's doing. He loved everything he was doing with with like because Meek Mills was signed to Atlantic or whatever. Yeah. And so they're pretty they were having the same producers work with uh, Nipsey. So whatever didn't work for me, they dumped it down to Nip. Yeah. And so that's how their little relationship was going. And like, you know, they had it. Victory Lap was, you know, a part of Atlantic's stamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That so, whole rollout was crazy. So, yeah. Just how they pushed it to the All-Star weekend. Mm-hmm. And they just made a, a whole. That's, some, that's what's really um, impressive to me. Like, I'm really impressed by a good rollout. Because I feel like 
nowadays Marketing's like everything yeah people doing yeah. a beyonce thing where they'll just drop it but um we were talking about blast you know blast yeah he's dope yeah, yeah. dope producer it, singer yes yeah dope. Blast is dope yeah, yeah we um we have well through uh blue pair we have a little bit of a relationship like at least i know them like a little bit in his manager Shout out blue pair yeah and um hold on who's his manager because i've been trying to get him on the show you know what tell me afterwards <laughs> yeah i could lace you i could show you stuff but um but no like his manager is super super smart dude and like the whole the whole plan that they have and everything is like to a t um and i'm just like yo this is amazing like how you know you could take a body of work which is dope that's like the bare minimum you gotta have a dope project were you a part of i ain't perfect i'm sorry to take you off no okay no i don't even know what that is no, it's Mozzie and, and Blast song that they filmed in Bakersfield with Blue Pair. Oh no, I wasn't in it. Um, I like usually like Pat or Blue Pair. I call him Pat because it feels you know more him. comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like calling Darius Jump in it. Um, but like I help on behind the scenes. Like I I've been in like I've helped on like three or four Blast music videos. Um, Slip and Slide and a couple other That's ones. So oh, congratulations, then y'all just hit over. Yeah, you just hit a million on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, one take J. Yeah, they just actually did another one take J music video. I wasn't involved in that. I one love one take J. By the way, yeah, that motherfucker right <laughs> there. <laughs> oh, he say anything on a record. I'll be like, short little motherfucker, but he be saying some real shit. Yeah, it's just so it's funny, man. Like especially when you meet these people in person, you be like, oh, you you don't even like. He hella short. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just as far as the rollouts, um, I just think I just think that's dope. Like, and it's just so much thought put into these things. Um, and even you know, with Dave and Mozzie, you know they they found a way to like consi- they consistently hit numbers every time his music video drop. It's a million in a day or two. So it's just like wow, it's they doing it, man. That's real, man. They got the right blueprint, man. Mm-hmm. Building some big shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where, where we at, man? Uh, 204. 204? Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's been that long. It's only yeah. felt like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then the thing, too, is, is just based on the vibe, we kind of uh, deviated from, you know, all of the stuff we was going to talk about. It just felt more interesting to have conversations about, you know, what, what you're working yeah. on and just, I don't know. Just it, it was it felt better to deviate from the, the yeah. regular program. When it's me and Keith, we have our program. When we yeah. get somebody on and they know a lot about something, we start to work to their strengths. Yeah. Because you had a lot of really good things to talk about, especially about the industry. You know, one, uh, before we wrap it up, um, as far as like your relationship with uh, J.P. Bangs, how did that, how did you guys link up? Um, honestly, I'll tell you. So I was working with T. Davis back in like 2009, 2010, working with T. Yeah. Davis. T. Davis put school, out a yeah. little uh, EP. Yeah. And, you know, I bet T. Davis doesn't even notice. I looked at the back of the EP mm-hmm. and I saw who produces projects. So that was something me and my brother was looking for. We was looking for beats. That was our hardest thing was trying to get beats. Yeah. And so I was like, OK, J.P. Bangs was one of the names that produced a song on the EP. And so I found him on Facebook. Okay. I hollered at him. And it just so happened I stayed in the dub on banking and uh, why am I banking P. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he ended up staying not too far away. Mm-hmm. And so next thing I know, he getting dropped off at the house the next day to make some money making us beats. That's and crazy. then we had a relationship, bro. I managed Rusty. So I used to like, you know, give people pizzas for free. Mm-hmm. 
And so, like, I look out for him. Like, I call him and, man, y'all need a pizza? I thought Rusty was a rapper for a second when he said yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rusty, he was cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> no, shit. The first big person I ever managed, his name was Angel Fernandez. And his mm-hmm. dad was Stevie J. And he had a project with Pharrell, Rick Ross. He had like seven songs. Uh, his beats were made by Stevie J. He had a song with Scott Storch. I was blown away. That's crazy. Wow. But the reason why I know so much about Johnny Monopoly and Kanye West, Johnny Monopoly took him from me. Oh, okay. So I lost Angel to Johnny Monopoly because he offered him a signing bonus. Uh, so you know just you know the game i thought yeah. i was gonna be high i'm meeting i was at ray j's camp i was meeting ray j's people and shoddy mac and ray yeah. j and, and then i'm going to outlaw's house the next day and we're working on this project and then fucking two weeks later i, I worked for him for six months but when we started to hit the studios two weeks later is when johnny monopoly came in and swooped and took him it's a cold game <sighs> But uh, yeah. finish your story about JP. So, yeah, uh, JP Bang. So I grabbed the back of T. Davis's thing, hit him up on Facebook. He came to the house and uh, oh, yeah. I'll, so managing Rusty's pizza, I used to just bring people pizza. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it's the gospel of giving. If you can't give people money, you give somebody some food. Right, 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 right. And so I would just That's hit nice. him up on the on regular. Like, bro, you need some pizza? Like, I stay around the corner from you. Like, I drop it off on the way to the house. Mm-hmm. And at that point, to keep him 100, he'll tell you, he say it on his lives all the time. I didn't know that he was struggling. Like, I didn't know his family was, you know, he grew up in a group home. That wasn't in, like his real mom. And, like, they're right. struggling. He's living in a retirement home. That kids aren't supposed to be in. Like, it's only supposed to be retirement people in there. Yeah. And he yeah, in there yeah. with his brothers. Oh. And man. so, you know, I looked out for them and he looked out for me. He gave us great deals on beats and gave yeah. us a whole bunch of beats. Wow. And so it gave us a chance. It got my brother a deal. And That's then, crazy. you know, he kept on doing his thing. He got out of Bakersfield. He had like a panic attack and like, you know, he grew from that. And after that, he started to, you know, do his thing on YouTube. He put out a whole bunch of free beats and, yeah. One of those beats Mozzie picked up and then him and Mozzie had a relationship and you know eventually sleepwalking came about. You know every project now. Yeah, every project. Devo yeah. calls and like I try to, you know, I want to say it's the right way. I try to compete with Devo cuz I'm working with JP Banks, but Devo has way more connections than I do. Yeah. He's power connected. I'm yeah. just, you know, I'm a part of the 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 surge. Mm-hmm. Like I have something that people fuck with me on, and then I'm organic and genuine. So people ask, "What else do you do?" And mm. so I get a working relationship sometimes with these interviews, and it's mm-hmm. a huge blessing that someone will take that interest. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to present these beats I get from JP to these artists that I have relationships with. And so you know, you try to battle other people, and then it's like you know, certain things don't work out all the time. Yeah. And then shit, Dave O's consistent. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm still, you know, it's a blessing to work with JP and I'm still submitting. It's just, you know, I get, I used to go from having three weeks of, of week, I mean, three weeks of beats, so like three, four beats a day for three weeks to now I only get one week to mm. submit. But in reflection, I ended up getting another big producer named Gemini Music and mm. he did uh, My Purpose for Justin Bieber. Okay. And then, you know other things picked up so it's like i work with a cat named lj and lj he has a big following on ig we get to shoot his videos i get to a his albums mm-hmm. and i get to take the knowledge learned from here and here and apply it to an artist mm-hmm. and then that's you know where i'm at today that's dope man that's dope just working man. to your strengths yeah 
They say if you stick to what's easy to you, life won't get that hard. Life gets hard when you try to do stuff that's not meant for you to do when it's harder for you. That's why I asked the question, did the game choose you or did you choose the game? Mm. Man, you just twisted my brain inside out. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope, man. We got to get JP on here one day. I reached out, reached out to him it was early in the podcast process, but... That'd be dope. That's my brother. He still hasn't came on my show yet. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Like, I could FaceTime him as soon as we get done right now and we can talk. And it's just like, for him, he wants to get to that that threshold, that pinnacle of success where, you know, he can make everyone proud of what he's done. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, when I talk to big names, he feels that pressure of, like, he's not the same as some of these other big names. Because, you know, he did have something in Black Panther movie. He has Billboard charted. He has gone gold. He has all these accolades, but at the same time, he's just a West Coast producer. Mm. And that persona weighs on people because you yeah. want to be universal. You want to work with all the big names. Yeah. yeah. I I, um, I had mentioned, I was, I was talking to Nate one day and like I seen his live and I seen like he, I don't know how well he plays the keys, but I seen when he was tapping he's up the master. beats. Yeah. I was like, he, he really looked like he know his way around a keyboard. So I was like, I knowing that I know he can make some other stuff. So I was like, hey, Nate, like, what's what's the deal? Like, I know he make a lot of these, you know, Mozzie type, you know, beats and stuff like that. But like, does he have any other things in his arsenal? And he was like, yeah, he got them. It's like, it's just a matter of people listening to him. So mm. Yeah, no, he has a, all the sounds you could think of that brother can do. From the New York drill to the melodic drill to the chase the money sound to, to I mean, just everything. Yeah. And the, his bread and butter is that mob sound, that gangster mob sound. Yeah. Can't nobody do that. Yeah. And, you know, he recognizes that. But I also want him to grow. You know, yeah. I want him to not just be that, you know, that speck on the wall as, as West Coast gangster rap music. I want him to be the wall that's connected to the wall. Yeah. Not just that little dot. Yeah. That's real. That's dope. Yeah, because, you know, when you you mention those names, even if you have some success, you could start to feel like this imposter syndrome and it it could happen. It could happen to pretty much all of us. Mm -hmm. But you got to realize that you're worthy of, you know, what I'm saying that you're worthy of what you where you want to be. You can't just, you know, say like, you know, this is where I'm at, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem with that, because I face these things when I say I'm afraid of success, when you know you're worthy, but you're also hungry for anything to get there. Right. You have that battle of where do I pick the in between? Cause you know, I want it so bad I'll do anything to get it. Mm. And I've been there and I've done that. I'll spend 15, 16 hours working for free just so mm. that I could have that relationship. That's but in real. the same standpoint, I know my value. I know my worth. There you go. And so, you know, you have to have that same battle of in between. You have to see the bigger picture. Like yes. what you guys said from the very beginning, it's all about the future. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's the bigger picture. And no matter what, you sacrifice some time that you can never get back. But that time was valued in the same way you valued it when you put the work in. Yeah. Goddamn right. That's right, man. man. Well, um, before we close this pot up, man, give them your socials, man. Oh, you can follow me at DJ Juan Dollars. That's, you know, one. Like, you know, I guess they've been saying it's Chinese. But (laughs) I'll tell y'all the story real fast. You know, Uh uh, my cousin, we had, we was doing bad. So we had got some scratchers. We had $5 and I got a $2 (laughs) scratcher and he got a $2 scratcher and we got a dollar scratcher. On the $2 scratcher, I hit for $100. Whoa. I was on hood. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'm DJ Juan Dollars. Like, I want some money. Like, I told him that. And he was like, that's your DJ name. 
Like, and I was just trying to be funny, like the radio people and shit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And so, yeah, shout out to Wood. Wood uh, pretty much put that name on me and it hasn't left. That's it's yeah. funny how people get their names. Like, I think uh, even for me, uh, K Fings came from my boy Blue. He just basically shortened my last name. Like, what's up, K Fings? And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. It's <laughs> <laughs> better than Keith Fingers. <laughs> did Blue Pair ever tell you how he got his name? No, not he, like He told it exclusively on my show. And he was yeah. like, it, it was funny as hell because that's his government name. Yeah. It's P E A R, it's his government name, his acronym. Okay. So he just added the Blue in oh. front. Oh. Got you. It's Patrick. Some some. It's like he got three middle names or something. Oh my goodness, that's funny. And yeah, he told it on my show, and I thought that was crazy because he was like, "Man, everyone always wants to know," and I never tell them. But he felt it. He was, it just it felt good. Yeah. My Every wife, time he tells, he just he kind of gives like a different rendition. Like, oh, it's just something from my, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, my wife teaches his kids, and shoot. Blue Pair is a good dude. Pat, yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good woman. Like, you know, they're a beautiful relationship. Yeah. He he one of the people out here that he genuinely cares about, like, the zeitgeist of the city. Like, putting one of all the words. One of the words. <laughs> 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 yeah, good for calling them out. I was thinking to myself, what the fuck does that mean? Zyke. <laughs> That's a Z word. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like he, I mean, he didn't have to put all them people in Mozzie's video or he didn't have to bring me down there to meet Davo and all those guys. Like he, he, uh, he'll reach out to people. He'll, you know, Hey, you good at this? Like, you know, come help me out. Or, you know, you, you ain't doing much right now. So, you know, come through and help on a music video. So he's one of those guys that's, you know, trying to bring this energy together. He took the, you know, the ability of putting hours in and making an opportunity of what you're doing. Yeah. You know, he told the story that he, he was on a commercial set and the commercial set went past their time mm-hmm. and they were supposed to keep on going. Mm-hmm. And so he had to spend a lunch like, man, I want to go back to Bakersfield. I'm trying to go back home. Mm-hmm. And he ended up staying with the uh, producer. Yeah. And the producer took him out to lunch. And it turns out that's the same guy that did a drum line. And then he's also doing Roddy Rich's video. I think it was Roddy Rich and YK Osiris or something like that he had said. Mm-hmm. And then next thing he knows, he's asking like, hey, how can I be on the set? And he's on the set working. for At that point, it was for free. And then yeah. he earned his respects into where he's he's blessed. Yeah. That's dope. It's crazy how um, you can know you have a high value, but also know the value uh, of offers, offering your services for free. <sighs> so you know you have a price, but you're paying your dues. But there's gonna come there's gonna come a time where your price is too high. Yeah, it's like I've I've done what I needed to do. All right, now now I think Nipsey said it best. He says he said, uh, uh, "Come to the table with value because mm-hmm. it changes the negotiation." That's real. Facts. So if, if you if you go and you try to negotiate and your value is all over the place, say, well, you're worth this. But when you've got work and you've, you, you've been in the industry a while and you've been moving a certain way, you're like, look, this is what I want. Boom. I think one thing that I've adopted, like um, sometimes I feel like asking for a dollar amount almost devalues you. There you go. So like they'll be like, hey, how much should you charge to shoot a video or something? I'll be like. If it's a you know my genuine friend or something like that, I'd be like, oh, I'll do it for free, because my value was something that they probably can't necessarily afford. There you go. So if you do it for free, you do it off the strength. It's just you doing it out of love. So 
Yeah, nothing wrong. I mean, it's nothing wrong with you know doing it for free when mm-hmm. it's somebody you value. Mm-hmm. Like let's say for example, we all in industry, we're all making really decent money, mm-hmm. and then you know Zylo be like, "Yo, I'm doing this, man," and you know I'll give y'all this. I'll be like, "Nah, bro. Like mm-hmm. I'll come through. Don't even trip." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know because it's like to me, you know, it doesn't like I'm not trying to get money from people that I fuck with. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you're trying to get money with them. There come you on, go. Break bread. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it looks like we came to the end of this podcast, man. We appreciate we about you to go for another hour. For yeah, we appreciate <laughs> you, man. I keep on firing. That, that's what Let happens. me know when to come back. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens, man. When you got somebody that already has their own podcast, or they already yeah. they're already a, a talker like that, mm-hmm. then you just gonna be firing off back and forth. Yeah, and fuck around and be like Joe Rogan with a four hour podcast. <laughs> hey, one last thing: How did y'all like? How did you guys get into the position to do your own podcast? Because like that's something I do at the end of my show is I ask the guests, "Do uh-huh. you have any questions for me?" Gotcha. And that fucks them up. Number one, because like they've been ready to answer. Ready to answer and then like yeah. fuck I gotta ask him a question yeah. and then the, like the main thing I always get is how did you start this or what made you start this and like mm-hmm. for me people told me no they said no I can't join this I ain't gonna throw no names but no I can't join that no I can't hire you for this mm-hmm. so I was like you know what I got my own ideas I got my own connections I've been like having these type of conversations mm-hmm. why not put it on wax and yeah okay so what about for y'all I can answer that I think that it was more or less um, I was inspired you know, being on the truck um, and listening to certain podcasts and me and Keith have been having conversations over the phone for years. We've been basically having podcasts for years. <laughs> yeah. Without no actually, listeners. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, <laughs> it, it initially started off because I actually started my own podcast with just me. Uh, just because I was just, it just was an idea. And I, I didn't have any real concept of if I could do it or not. And it's a, it's a challenge when you're on your own. So I did that. The, the It was really shitty. I did it from Anchor and I used my phone and it just was really, it sounded like shit. So what I ended up doing is I got rid of it. And then me and Keith collaborated. Keith was like, man, let's do it. Dude. Let's do a podcast together. So Keith brought his laptop over. He had a mic. We did the podcast just to start off. We had one mic. That's all we had. We had one mic. Sharing. Sharing a mic, mm-hmm. literally, literally. And we did that because I didn't have no concept of, you know, you need two mics. So, you know, we did a good job. It sounded like we had two mics, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we had one. And, and, and the reason why I worked out is because we had such great um, um, chemistry because I've known him for like t- over like 21 years now. So, man, y'all could drink with y'all relationship. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's funny. It's crazy, man. That's a good joke. Yeah. <laughs> that was deep. It took me a while to get. Yeah, it. I was like, hold on. Yeah, yeah, hold on. Yeah, but no, um, we did that. It was cool. And then uh, another huge inspiration was actually his older brother, my best friend of about twenty-one years. He said, "Hey, y'all did a good job on the first episode, but y'all could go, y'all could go harder than that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know y'all could do better than that. Like you, 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 you held back, yeah. you held back. So then we just start letting loose. Like uh, we just start letting. Next loose. week it was over. It was over. <laughs> like it was yeah. just all over. And then you start seeing some people how they responded to it. Mm-hmm. I think that the content you make is more relatable when you're transparent with people. And sometimes, you know, I speak about myself. It's not in the best light. And if you listen to most podcasts or other uh, platforms, they like they always trying to like shape their image. Come on, it's yeah. cookie cut. Yeah, it's cookie yeah. cutter stuff. And it's like, look, man, like 
I'm, I'm the type of dude that's, that's mentioned, you know, me being thirsty or uh, me getting rejected or me, whatever the case, or me having depression or whatever the case. And I don't care because I'm human. And mm. I know that's what we all go through. It's just that some people have the balls to talk about it or not. Come on. Come on. That's real. That's the difference. I think for me to kind of piggyback off of what he was saying, I, I remember I would be. Um, I didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> like, I would always see it. You see it though on the, you know, you scrolling through social media, all such and such podcasts and stuff. And then I was, I was driving back and forth to school in New Mexico. Um, you know, it's like a 13, 14 hour trip sometimes. Shit. And uh, I would just see Charlemagne talk about his podcast and Angelie and all these people. And I was like, man, let me listen to Brilliant Idiots once. And I listen to it, and I'm just like, "Yo, this is a gold mine because I'm mm-hmm. I'm tired of listening to music, music all the time. Yeah. yeah, I'm tired of listening to the same songs over and over. So I want to hear some something fresh to my ears, at least to keep me awake. Right. I started listening to them, and I'm like, "Yo, this is crazy! Like this is this is a whole new world, and people just having conversations, and then not even like he was saying, not even knowing that we were almost having podcasts." You know, just over the phone discussions. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when I finally graduated, and you know, I'm back back home in Bakersfield. Um, and it was already a, and he had already had his, his solo one mm-hmm. and then he had hit me and we, we just had a phone conversation one day. He was like, yo, we should do a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, like going, going over names. I was like, yeah, it could be Eddie and friends. And he was like, well, what about a trucker's mind podcast? And then, you know, we just ran with it. I pulled yeah. up one day. He was like, Hey, come on Sunday or it might've been Saturday or whatever. Yeah. I just pulled up on my laptop and I, cause I already had recording equipment cause of the music stuff. Yeah. And we just thugged it out from there. It's crazy um, how it came together, man. It just came yeah. together. So, and Keith is such a delight to work with. I know that sounds really corny to me. <laughs> delight. But, but I, I think he makes it really easy cause mm. we don't combat each other. Like, um, I was like, what about truckers? Mind podcast. He was like, that's cool. Yeah. And then we just roll with that. But if I'm, if I do say something and it might come off a little corny, he'll shut it down <laughs> vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I'm not dealing with somebody that, you know, we're arguing over stuff. If it just seems like it doesn't work for both of us, we just don't do it. Like even the guests that we have on, like if it doesn't work, I can't. I, it, like if you inbox me or anybody else and they say, hey, you know, I want to da 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 I'm like, look, I got to check with Keith. Yeah. And Keith does the same thing. I, let, let me check with Eddie first. That's right. Communication. It, yeah. That's, that's the only way it's going to work. That creates longevity. 131 episodes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna keep it lit for another 300 episodes. Yeah, yeah, man. So anybody that's listened to this first the, for the first time, we got 131 other episodes you can listen to. Yeah, all of them very long. But uh, <laughs> and a lot of the people he know, you know, through whatever connections out in the world, you know, have been on this podcast too. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. the funny thing. And we don't have very many guests. Yeah, we really, we really don't. We really haven't. Mm-hmm. Like over the span of this podcast, we have not had a lot of guests. I mean, I had a knock on a special door and it had a sign that said, go to the <laughs> other door. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was some white people next to me. I didn't know who that was. And then Ed opened up the door and was like, who's them? I looked at him like, I don't even know them. Oh, that's hilarious, man. That's oh, but that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. We appreciate you, man. Thank y'all for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for reaching out. Not a problem. Uh, Well, if you made it to the end of this episode, we appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, K. Fings. We're out of here. Peace.